Morning Project Presents. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast. Gaming's Christmas has come and gone. E3 2017 is now in the history books. Over 68,400 gamers from around the globe rocked the Los Angeles Convention Center. GVGP's Molly was there firsthand and has much to report on. Did it live up to the legacy of E3 2015? Will Xbox One X overtake the 2017 holiday season? Was Mario able to capture gamers' hearts and imaginations once again? Will FF7 release before Detroit? Is it a foregone conclusion that Atreus will have daddy issues? The answer to those questions and much more is about to get underway as we web sling into episode 29 of the 4K enabled and 6 teraflops powered GVGP podcast. I、uh, probably should have told this before the start of the podcast, but I, I mistakenly I didn't go to E3. I mistakenly went to、uh, B3, which was the Big Beautiful Butts Expo, which I didn't even know was a thing.、Uh, so I have played no games,、um, but I've seen a lot of butts this week. So I can, I can report on all of the new butt happenings、uh, in the world.、So. Now, I don't know if you were setting、but、me、no、up、games. for a、um, <laughs> booth girls joke, or, or is there a legitimate there were, convention? You know what? No, that's, no there's, there's no.、Uh, there were actually more booth girls this year than there were last year. And I think in part because of the consumers being there. Hmm. But before we get to that, before we get to that, I, I, I want to talk real quick because I know this is going to be MLCE3 show.、Um, I want to talk about what I'm playing today.、Um, okay. Because just, I, it's, it's filled me with glee today, so I wanted to share it.、Um, and the embargo for it is tomorrow, so by the time this comes out, I'll be fine.、Uh, but I am trying to review it. I don't know how to review it exactly.、Um, but I've got the RPG Maker. For 3DS. Oh, okay. Yeah. RPG Maker Fest. Yes.、Um, and it's just like, it's so fun, you know, because I spent maybe an hour today kind of went back and forth between doing other work and this.、Um, and I already made like a little overworld and I had the beginnings of a town. And you can walk into the town and talk to another character. And they ask if, they, if you want them to join your party and you can say yes or no and they'll join or not join. And I've got.、Uh, A, a one creature for random battles. I got like snow slimes out in the wilderness, and I have、uh, the first two sets, two skills. So you can level up and you get level three and you get your second skill. And it's just like, I mean, it's I, I'm already running into <clears throat> problems in terms of seeing what it can't do and kind of wishing I could do things that it maybe, you know, this engine is just isn't, isn't robust enough to do. But It just reminds me of how fun stuff like this can be, like in the beginnings. Like, I'm sure I'll get to a point where I just get so sick of having to do every little thing because, you know, it's funny that to make a town, for example, you know, you have to make the overworld, then you put the town in the overworld, and then you have to actually make the town, and then you have、right. to actually tell it, okay, th- this box here, if a character steps on this box, Then they go to this map over here, which is the town, and this is the box they go into, you know.、Um, 
so there's all this little tedious stuff and like just to have my character join up there's all these little kind of rules i had to make and everything so it's it you know it's kind of a good reminder in terms of uh how not easy game development is even on this level because i'm thinking already it's like wow i gotta think about like what my town's design is going to look like you know and and where everything is at um and stuff like that but it's it's just it's fun like it's and it's really neat on the 3ds because even though it doesn't have the power of like the pc versions it's still like just neat that i can sit here and make an rpg on 3ds and then at some point share it now okay with this do they give you any like examples or templates to work with so you don't have to do everything from purely scratch? I I don't or- think so. Like looking at it, like and that's part of the thing that I kind of wish it did have was I really wish it had a lot of examples. Like for example, like I was saying for adding a character to your party. You know, I wish they had an example set up for here's how you code this kind of thing, you know. It has a, it has some level of easy scripting. So, like, let's say you want to go into a town or you want to have an inn or things like that. But it seems very limited in the amount of, of the easy scripting they have. And beyond that, I really haven't seen much in the way of... Like, I don't... And I could have missed it, you know. But I didn't see any kind of, here's a sample RPG to show you what it can and can't do. What about monsters and characters? What about example sprites, or do you have to literally do the picture no? There, art by there hand? are there are sprites like in the game, um, not um, like I'm already realizing there's not a huge huge amount, and I'm going to be wanting more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are at least sprites, and like I haven't seen any kind of ability to make your own. But there, I don't know. There's a few weird options where I'm wondering if you can download stuff or add to it. Because it kind of, it gives you the option to select which set you want. And it says right now I have this fantasy. That makes me think maybe there's like going to be DLC. Oh but, oh, but you know, and you may have said this already, so I'm sorry for making you repeat yourself. But will you be able to download other people's? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah, like right now when I'm playing it, those servers aren't up yet, so I can't actually do that. But uh, you will be able to like upload and download. Oh, that's not. Oh, see, now that's kind of enticing. Yeah, and it it seems like I think what's interesting about this um, is that it seems like a good place to start in this. Like, I I have tried a little bit of RPG Maker on the PC, and it was just so daunting because there were so many options and so many things you mm-hmm. could do, and you could download not like mods, but like you know, custom sprite sets and things like that. Whereas this seems to have a very finite amount of sprites and town objects and you know um uh like well, one of the things the the word i'm forgetting the word but like the actual actions you know of like if this happens and this happens and stuff like that um mm. so so it seemed limited but that actually seems kind of fun to me for now in the way that it's a good introduction to to this but right like there's no this is a kind of game where you want like a super thick manual for it, you mm. know, and the in the digital manual that just is like, you know, actually in the 3DS user interface is very, very not getting the job done. 
Oh, wow. And I don't know if there's a better manual or not. So it, it kind of seems... It seems like it's going to be kind of hard for players on you know over here until we get some like hardcore FAQs for it. A game that does a great job in terms of uh, digital manual in-game as well as tutorials and examples is Super Mario Maker on 3DS. Hmm. It's kind of unfortunate they don't, which is still one of my favorite 3DS pickups yeah. in the last year. But um, I, and the, the scores didn't really reflect that. It got good scores, but not like super high Mario scores, so to speak. But well, I think part of the problem too was like it wasn't, it didn't have many options for like sharing and downloading and things that we use version. Right. So. And I apologize, I wasn't trying to get us off track That's on fine. that. But yeah, I mean, I give that a big thumbs up. And yeah, it's kind of unfortunate with something like this. It's probably, you know, one of the closest things I can compare it to. Like, you know, you are creating a lot of stuff from scratch and the, the Mario Maker interface and stuff was is done really well. It, it, but it, from it, what it you're saying... Si- uh, it just reminds me of... I remember playing, you know, Fire Pro Six-Man Scramble back on the Saturn. Um, uh-huh. Downloading this, like... 100 page faq from the internet you know i'm printing it out and having this gigantic stack of paper right like that's what this needs you know this needs like a super duper heart like it needs to have a booklet in the case and it needs to have like you know like a 120 page booklet or something like that that we would never get but that's what it needs to have hmm I might have to take a look. You know, that was not on my radar. Not that I need another title. Uh, what I what I would am going to pick up, and I believe that's uh, Nipponichi Software, NIS America Publishing. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did go in on off their site was um, that other title coming out in August. The car, the mix of magic and uh, oh, oh, cold set. Thank you. Is it revolt or something gonna, like that? Yeah, I yeah. think. You, yeah, you got. Or, yeah. So I'm going to give that a shot in August, but. Um, but I don't know, yeah, what you're saying about RPG Maker is kind of uh, interesting. The last thing on this topic before we move on, not to sound ignorant, would you say this is more robust? I know you're comparing it to the PC version. Is it more robust than the old PlayStation 1 game of uh, 20 That's a good question because I actually own that, um, but I barely played it back in the day. Mm-hmm. I think that was a limited just because of like the memory card issues and things like that. So Yeah, that's true. I think that's part of the reason why it didn't have... Um, you know, a lot of options. And so mm-hmm. far, like it has a memory, this is has a memory limit, um, kind of like meter to tell you how much memory you still have for making the game. And it seems like I've barely scratched it from what I've made, but you know, I haven't made too much yet. So it's going to be a good question right. to see like how far you can push this and how many kind of areas you can have. Like, obviously I'm not making final fantasy seven with it or anything, but <laughs> you know, are we talking like dragon quest one size world? Are we talking bigger than that? You know, like how, how robust can I make this? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, and as uh, we've talked about this on the show in the past, uh, the RPG maker, the original engine, is kind of what powered... Um, God, I don't know what's wrong with my brain Corpse tonight. Party? Uh, Corpse Party. Yeah. 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 My, this will be the biggest uh, mystery of, of all to everyone. It's just I was blown away with some news before it went on the air today, yeah. so... My uh, yeah, yeah. If, I I, if I'm I like, surprised Anthony a little bit before the show. Yeah, if if I'm off tonight more so than usual, it's uh, please forgive me. Yeah, I, I told but, him I was uh, kind of going to become a hardcore Xbox person. So <laughs> he doesn't know what to think about that. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, the uh, listeners have absolutely no idea, and it's uh, not for me to share. But trust me, it was uh, wow. So, 
But uh, that aside, uh, you know, I have a handful of notes here, as as we said at the top of the show. E3 2017 is in the history books with uh, 15,000 more plus attendees than last year. Um, not only you, but there are some other individuals I know that attended the show this year, and pretty much it was straight across the board. The first thing people were saying is that there were way too many people and it's not a way to do business. I don't know what your feelings were. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem that I think that ended up happening, well, one, one of the main problems was just that E3 is not set up to be a consumer show. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go to, like, a PAX or something, you know, the booths and, and the flow and the lines and things like that are all set up to handle kind of big crowds wanting to line up to play stuff. and. E3's always been more of a walk up to the booth and just try something kind of experience. Uh, So barely anything had changed for this year. So it just was not set to accommodate consumers. And then, um, you know, consumers coming in didn't really know how E3 works. Uh, You know, they don't know the kind of procedures and the, the just... I don't know, just like, it's not, I don't say rules, but just kind of the, you know, the, 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 the social do's and don'ts of what an A3 is that I think a lot of people in the industry either know or learn very quickly. Um, so it really, it's funny because uh, consumers had like these really neon greenish yellow badge holders um different than like the regular well, clear ones i see to differentiate yes, themselves yes. to kind of mark them so it, it they kind of got they got called the greens or the neons or things like that you know and it 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 very very quickly felt like an us versus them kind of thing okay uh where you know someone like me i was like i just need to get my jobs done you know <laughs> i need to like get through this this area and get to one doing and stuff like that um versus these kind of like consumers who had just kind of no concept of what we were doing and and the fact that there were people you know on the trade side and buyers from stores and stuff like that and they were just there because they wanted swag and to buy stuff and to play games and things like that and it just said it's e3 has never been set up to be a consumer event and it did not work out well from from my opinion and I didn't mean to start off with a dark cloud, but um, I just wanted to throw that out there because many people online and people I interact with, that was those were some of the first words out of their mouth. Uh, that's not to take away from the actual events of what happened uh, this past week in L.A., but I just wanted to throw that out there. So uh, kind of for the people who were sitting at home on their couch or comfy uh, computer chair, we may have gotten to see about just as much as uh, what other people got to experience this year. Yeah, and I, I think, like, people who went, like, paid a lot of money. Like, I feel really bad for them because... Just, right. Like, they paid a lot of money to... Like, okay, for example, the Super Mario Odyssey line, I know, I on one of the days, you know, the show opens at 10, and by 11.30, it was closed for the day. Wow. You know, so there are people online who basically got to play one game the entire day, and that was Super Mario Odyssey. Wow. Um, and, and, and just, like... Even, you know, at some in the media, there'll be times when you argue, like, okay, does, you know, Joe YouTuber deserve to be at E3? 
or does random tiny blogger deserve to be there and things like that. But I think even in that case, when you have the people there, they're still there to do a job. You know, even if their job is playing games on YouTube or doing blogs and things like that, they're still going there to try to make content and put content up. And so they might not be on the on understanding as much of the buying side and the kind of uh, store, you know, manager side and stuff like that. But at least in terms of media, they understand what media is doing. You know, so even if I'm like, I don't know if these tiny YouTubers should should even be allowed to be in the show, there's still some kind of connection there between us. You know, hmm. they, I, I, I know they're there to do work on whatever level work means for them. And they know that's why I'm there. So there's kind of like a, a you know, respect back and forth, at least on some level. Whereas right. this was just said people wanting to go to play games and see new stuff. Hmm. I know you and I may have, I don't know if it was you as well as uh, Neil or other people in my life in the past. But do you think it's time, and while not for everything, because you can't take away what E3 does have to offer for what it's worth at this point in time before things have to change even more, do you think it's time at least some of the big companies or more titles put up timed-released demos for the people at home? To I've, maybe... I've never understood why they don't. Like, any demos that are... Well, okay, to some level, I, there's some level maybe... You... I was thinking of this. Do you figure maybe some demos are maybe buggier than others or have to be watched? But don't you think there's got to be, even if you don't get 100% of what's on the floor, like even if you got 40, 50%, you know, that's a humongous chunk yeah. to keep viewers busy and then you, you know, you, and maybe keep the show to more uh, insiders, business oriented, true workers, you know, kind of alleviate some of that uh, crowd because let me give you an example like um i got a chance to play uh, a way out one of the games announced during ea's press conference um and i literally sat there and played the game with the creator of the game you know uh, and it was a very short demo and it was kind of a demo that was hard to fully understand if you didn't have context by somebody who'd worked on it so like that demo probably wouldn't work you know um as a downloadable for home but on the other hand, I played another game, Sonic Mania, which would have worked perfectly as a downloadable um, for people, you know. So I think there are plenty of de demos that exist there that I don't know why they don't just put them up. Even if it's like a time thing where like, okay, this demo stuff's working in right. two weeks or something like that, you know. Sure. Um, I think that would give people more the feeling of having that true E3 experience and make them right. not necessarily even feel like they need to go to the show. What, uh, what did you think of Sonic uh, Mania, if you don't mind I'm asking? super excited for it. Like, it's, I only, it's really good. I hate to be that gamer that's like, how many levels, how many hours, because I'm vehemently against that. It's more about the experience and what you get out of it, but I, I'm going to be that person. The only question mark I really have about this, it's, a, it's definitely a day one for me, and I'm excited. Is it just going to be the size of like one normal Sonic game? And, but Because I watched a special on IGN. They interviewed uh, one of the Sega representatives, and they said they're taking... What is it like the levels? It's like one completely new zone for each respective, like one one completely new level for each respective zone, and then the other one takes like the best like influence of a previously done level 
like to to comprise the two like because what is it like there's usually two zones and then the boss area or whatever so they're kind of doing that and i know there's at the very least two completely new zones for this I mean, have I kind of answered my own question, or did they say, like, there's going to be, like, over 50 levels, or it's going to be a humongous 2D-based Sonic title taking the best of yesteryear? I don't think they've revealed yet exactly how many zones are going to be in it total. But let me give Mm -hmm. an example. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. when you play, the Green Hill Zone is in it. Right. And when you play the very first stage of Green Hill Zone, um, it's about three or four times the size of what that zone used to be. Oh, okay. So it's actually just that thing alone is much bigger. Wow, okay. So, you know, if you've played the game already, like, I think coming into this, you're going to find new stuff to do. And in terms of the overall game's length, one of the things about it that really caught me is that it felt like every single stage had something unique on it. Like, there was some kind of gimmick or something interesting going on or some new little addition and stuff like that. So... Yeah, when you start off in Green Zone, you're playing Green, I mean Green Hill, you're playing Green Hill again, which we've played over and over and over again, but it's much, much bigger. There's there's new things going on in every direction you go. Like, I mean, it's bigger, like, down and up both in terms of also and wide. So, like, every every direction, literally, you could go, there's new things to see. And on so many of those stages, there were things that felt unique and like you might not see that again on another stage so even if it's maybe not as long as people hope it would be i think at least it's not feeling like previous sonics where every single stage of the zones kind of felt like the same thing over again just in a different layout well i'll definitely keep that on my radar that sounds like uh the news i wanted to hear and it, i believe and, that's and, um, go ahead go ahead uh, I was going to say, I believe it's coming out in just under two months at 20 bucks digitally. So that sounds like it's definitely going to be worthy of that uh, price tag, to say the least. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it. And it's really interesting, too, because it's not Genesis Sonic. It's almost like this is what Sonic would have been if he'd still been in 2D and gone to the Saturn. Because oh, wow. the visuals have more colors. They're, they're, I mean, it, 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 at first, if you look at it, it does look like Genesis Sonic, but it's not. There are some more colors. There's some more shading. There's, you know, more detail in certain things. So it really kind of feels like what the evolution of Sonic would have been if he had continued on past 16-bit in, in that kind of style. Well, that's right at the top of my list. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that kind of echoes what I was seeing on that uh, IGN interview. But I'm glad to hear that firsthand from someone I know directly. So that's uh, that's exciting for me, and I think Sonic fans. And we'll I guess we'll leave that discussion for uh, Sonic Forces maybe for somewhere down the road because I don't think that's going to have as happy a ending. Yeah, you know I I played a little <laughs> bit of that, and I played I didn't get to make my own character, but I played the kind of stages because you play different stages when you make your character than, than the main stages. And they seemed not quite as exciting, so I don't mm. know what to think of that game. Mm. But yeah, 2D Sonic all the way. So Awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Yeah, you know, this is actually GVGP episode 29, session 2. So for a myriad of reasons, the other night we did start off our audio recording, Molly and I. GVGP 29, getting through a couple topics 
And for uh, multiple reasons, uh, we called it an early night, but we are back in action a mere 48 hours later to continue our E3, our post E3 2017 coverage, as well as a little bit of fan mail and anything else that comes across our minds. So uh, welcome back, Molly. Uh, how are you doing this evening? And you know, for anybody who's ever listened to Warning, um, <clears throat> some of those episodes were literally recorded over days and days and days. So I think we kind of like the way, because Warning had those kind of like hard breaks that we would do. <clears throat> what we would do is, uh, you know, plan for, for getting the hard break and then come back a different day. But there were a few of those stages as they were. Um that, like, I think there was at least once when we had to do, like, three different days of recording. I'm very proud to boast on the early days of GB, GVGP a few years ago that we did some sessions north of four and five hours, one shot. Yeah, I was going to say, especially when you're getting, like, that long. Like, there's times when you're like, look, I've got to go back to real life. Right. So we need to, like, stop this and come back later. Like I said, like, the way that that, that show worked, like, it worked just fine because we had those, like super hard breaks that we could use, you know? Right. Um, and, and by the way, like, I know, at least in my case, but it might be in Anthony's as well, but if you hear, like, background noise, that's because we are <clears throat> in the hottest day of this heat wave that's going on. So I literally was not going to turn my air conditioner off today. What's uh, – I had my uh, brand-new AC on. Yes, I'm bragging. I don't like to brag about my gaming stuff for collection, but I'm bragging this year I got an air conditioner finally after 20 years without being with one. Um, we have a heat wave coming here to Portland uh, this weekend. We'll be between 96 and 98, which means probably we'll be cracking 100. Uh, what's it looking like tonight uh, in L.A.? Okay, so let's see. So um, it's currently 824 in the p.m., and the current temperature is uh, 85. Wow. So <laughs> it's still a little bit warm. Wow. I mean, like, you know, like, I, daytime is one thing, right? Because you live in certain places where you know it's going to be hot in the daytime. But when it gets to, like, 8 o'clock and it's still, like, that temperature, it's just, like, I just can't stand that. I'm you hovering know, around it, 70 right unfair, now. unfair, so. Mm. If you don't mind just uh, talking about the weather a little bit more as we turn into GVGP, uh, the weather channel. Did you hear the crazy numbers that... Arizona is going to hit in the next couple days, and I heard Las Vegas was going to be insane too, but I heard numbers of 120 degrees, which means it's so hot that for the airports, the maximum that the planes can fly to take off is 117 degrees. I I, I heard 117, 118, like one of those two, yeah. Yeah, and they're feeling they're going to get to 120. Yeah, I know they hit 119, I think it was yesterday. Wow. Um, I actually have a friend who lives in Phoenix, and I went down there for his wedding a number of years ago. And I want to say that was in the summertime, and I don't understand why people live there. You know, (laughs) there's like there's the the joke um, from King of the Hill about, you know, the uh, Phoenix being like a monument to to mankind's arrogance. And it it really is. It's like that's a place where like cities weren't meant to exist. Mm. I don't know why we do that. Wow. Hmm. Everybody's like, like, oh, it's fine if you stay in, you know, 24 hours a day and have air conditioning on and stuff. And it's like, if you have to do that, that means, like, human beings shouldn't live there. <laughs> well, 
Well, we will uh, do our best to continue. Uh, our last topic, which we did conclude on our previous recording, was uh, Sonic Mania coming to pretty much all major consoles August 15th. I believe we were about to dabble into some more of the nitty-gritty on E3 2017, which took place between Saturday, June 10th, all the way through uh, the 14th, 15th, through the 15th of June. So it was like the 10th through the 15th. It was close to a solid week of E3 this year, and I make note of that as kind of a topic starter for Molly because she endured E3 in its entirety, everything from EA's kickoff on Saturday the 10th through Microsoft and Bethesda on the 11th, which was a Sunday, everything from the unveiling of the Xbox One X to Sony Monday night, June 12th, and the Nintendo Direct the morning of June 13th, which ironically was pretty much the, quote, official day one of E3, but by then it had already been about three to four days in. Yeah, that was the funny part. People kept saying, like, oh, it's day one of E3, and it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, for many of us, no. This is, like, day four or something like that. Because, um, you know, last year, um, I think it was, it, was, so it, was two, it was two years ago that Bethesda decided to do a press conference. Mm-hmm. And I understood it that year because that was the unveiling of, of Fallout 4, which is a really, really big deal. So, I, so that made sense, you know. And, and E3 week was already... Packed. So like, hey, let's do it on Sunday. That's fine. And even last year, the same kind of thing. I didn't think they needed to do it again, but they did. And they did it on Sunday night. And that was the only thing on the weekend that was fine. You know, that was doable. But then this year, so um, EA decided last year that they wanted to be separate from E3 and do their own thing. Uh, you know, a special show where, like, fans could come but then media would have to go there because they would actually not have any presence at E3 proper. And last year that happened during E3 week. And the location was literally like right next to where they do E3. So it was fine, you know. I, I think we went on Tuesday or something like that. We went over there for a few hours because it was very easy to walk to. Had some appointments, everything, no problem. So this year, EA decided that they wanted to kick things off on Saturday. And they were going to be in Hollywood, which was not convenient at all for everybody going to E3. So what we decided to do was we were going to only go on Saturday and get EA out of the way. Because there was no way the rest of the week we could make it all the way to Hollywood and back while doing E3 as well. So you had E3 Saturday... And then Microsoft decided to move their press conference from Monday morning to Sunday morning. So now we had two press conferences. So all of a sudden, Sunday became a proper day, you know. And and back to EA for a second. Their press conference was at noon. And our appointments were like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, that kind of range. So thankfully, mine started at six, so I didn't go to the press conference. I just went for my appointments. But mm-hmm. my coworker was there basically the entire day because <laughs> he had earlier appointments, so it made no sense for him not to just go to the conference as well. Right. So we had a decently stacked day on Saturday, and then Sunday we had two press conferences to go to, which made it feel like kind of like a real day. And then, of course, you know, Monday is is pre E three day when. We had an Xbox showcase to go to, and we had Ubisoft's press conference, and we had Sony's press conference. And then Sony also had a, a pre-press conference hands-on event that we had to go to. Uh, and then, of course, Tuesday morning, you have Nintendo Direct. 
and then Tuesday noon through Thursday at five o'clock, you have E3 proper. Um, and it definitely like, like I said, like last year when it was only Bethesda on Sunday, and then everything was starting on Monday, that was fine. That still felt okay, but like this year, really felt long, and just too much. You know, like too many people trying to do too many separate things on their own. Like it was just, it was just too much. So, and then of course, at the show we had consumers coming in as well, so that right. caused total chaos at the show. Hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I watched from uh, the best seat in the house, as they say, which was the comfort of my living room. But uh, you know, in a work capacity, I would feel uh, not to sound greedy, but. From a business perspective, you know, I feel the best thing that someone like an EA can do to get people hyped up or to make the extra effort and trip uh, from a professional uh, perspective is, you know, if they take care of the people like good, I'm not talking like money or, you know, free games, but like, you know, taking care of them, you know, having maybe proper whatever it is, food or making them feel welcome or just having everything set up really well instead, you know, but I, I have no idea. Like, I only know what I do in my line of work Monday to Friday. Um, and how we do certain, you know, on a much, much smaller scale events and stuff and how we make clients and people feel welcome. But I don't know what the atmosphere is like. Like while I've been to E3, I don't know it from a behind the scenes perspective with the exception of a few like exclusive parties that people I'd known had gone to years ago, which was a totally different animal in a different era. I mean, what are those things like? Is it just pretty uh, robotic? You know, everyone sits down, you get your spot, you sit there and you get out of there. Or is there anything else that's kind of like a meet and greet type thing or for, the, for, the, for the press conferences or? yeah like for for the people that are actually doing work like you um so like so ea play was was weird because for most people who there is kind of just fans it was mostly outside hmm. um and then they had some inside stuff but that's kind of like for the big Star Wars Battlefront, like, multiplayer sessions. And then right. we had a few things upstairs for kind of us media. And then I didn't go to Bethesda's press conference, but I actually heard they had a really, really cool setup. With, like, a lot of things to kind of do while you were waiting to go in there and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, Microsoft never has anything. It's literally <laughs> just fight the gigantic line that is lining up and um, go find a seat and then watch hmm. the press conference. Uh, Sony's been really good about having uh like when they were doing it because they, they were used to do it down at the the la coliseum um kind of where some of the olympic stuff had been been held and they'd have like the entire front parking lot uh closed off with like some tables and a bar and then like food trucks and things like that uh the last couple of years they've had hands-on stuff so like press can go in early and they have food and drinks and then kind of like an inside area for for playing demos and stuff like that that's um, not bad yeah yeah it's not bad and then uh so this year xbox actually had hands-on stuff at that the same place they have their press conference but it was the next day and that wasn't too bad that was like inside on the on kind of like the show floor and stuff um but then of course you know i mean e- e3 is itself a gigantic you know, thing with like different halls and meeting rooms and all that kind of stuff. Hey, s- speaking of welcoming and, and changing of eras, can you confirm or deny this? This is very random and out of left field. I had heard years ago, not only heard, it was on good account, 
that back in the pretty much the original Xbox era of gaming, so you figure early 2000s, that there were some like private or like Microsoft parties, and like they had like go go type dancers or strippers like dancing in cages and stuff like from the ceiling. I mean, I've seen, I've seen some of those. I didn't see them at a, an Xbox one person. I know I've heard that. But, like, I've been to some of, like, the wargaming parties, and those were always, like, super crazy. Wow. And had, what, like, uh, had, like, girls kind of, like, in bikinis and stuff dancing and, and things like that. And I, that's kind of calmed down a bit in, in yep. recent years. Right. Um, but definitely, like, previously, that, that was a thing. And then also, of course, you know, the booth babes and the show floor, which is actually funny because I feel like um, – there were more booth babes this year than there had been in recent years. Mm. Like possibly because of the you know consumers coming in. I know you've pretty much been to every E3, and I'm not joking once again. Did you get any special invite in the near the mid-2000s, uh, an invite to the Playboy Mansion because they were doing the promotion for the, you know, the terrible Playboy uh, Sims-esque video game? I know, I, know, I know people who have. I've actually, like, I've off and on been to e3 i was trying to think that i had thought my first e3 was 1997 okay but that was when it was still in atlanta so i didn't go to that one mm. so i actually think now you know that 98 was my first e3 and um wow so we were close my first was 99 yeah so i think i would, I would have done i probably would have done 98 99 2000 and then the next one i would have done was 2006 I think you were how did boy how did we not hmm 99 and 2000 I won't stay on this topic long but yeah we may have, I don't know if we we had to have talked about this you remember when um do you remember when game fan was outside the convention center across the street did we so have like, across the street yeah, so you remember, um, so you'd leave the main area and you kind of went across the street, kind of. Right. There was a small spot, and this is real random. I remember meeting a few people. This was after the era of Nick and Casey. We'll make that clear because obviously I would have remembered that right. you know, more distinctly. But it's amazing that you and I, who knows, maybe we'd seen each other visually, or you know, obviously this is way before we started to interact. And um, there was even a guy from the then or now defunct Game Cave. Was it Kate? I think I still have the business card. Was it Kate? Do I have Kate Kuboki's card? Yeah, that was that was Special K in the magazine. It did the Jap- Japan section. Yeah, yeah. But you must have. But you would have. I'm trying to. Well, you would have had to have been there that year. Well, because I mean, because I, I, I was like on the show floor, so I don't, I don't remember that offhand. But I, it might be something like kind of buried in my memory. But, um, cause I feel like, cause I think the first year. So the, the first year, I, 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 I missed '96 because mm-hmm. I didn't start Game Fan until August. And then I'm pretty sure my first year actually being at Game Fan, I did E3 from the office. Which for when? I'm sorry. So that would have been 97. Oh wow. Okay. And okay. then I think 98 is when it came back uh, to Los Angeles, and I believe because 98 I would have still, I think I would have still been in California at the point of E3. 
I feel like there was an, an E3 where I was actually still here and I went to it. And mm. then um, there was a year or two where I flew out to go to it when that was kind of the post Halverson era. I remember being at an E3, and when I say looking for him, it's it works out that way because I was looking for Gamers Republic. And they did have, like, some tiny something spot or whatever, and I think I might have got a magazine, and I – this is so lame. I think I wrote a note or something because I, I, my timing was off, and I didn't get to cross paths with him because I think I was going to try and get his autograph at the time. Mm-hmm. But I was there that year as well. But – I'm assuming you'd have been floating around. I know you didn't do work for Gamers Republic. But. Okay, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 2007. I'll answer that in a second. 2007 was the Santa Monica one. I didn't go to the Santa Monica one. And then 2008 was back in the convention center. I think that's my first one. Um, no, I'm sorry. This is this is, this is is 2000s. I'm looking for 19. Uh, now, I'll see. 97. Let's see. 97 and 98 were in Atlanta. So, I guess I, I didn't go to those. See, I, it's weird because I swear, I swear that I thought. Oh, no, wait. So I, I could have gone in '96. I know. I don't know. I'm really confused now as to which ones I went to because I, I know I went to a few of the early era ones. Cause I remember there being, um, like the Neo Geo setups. Like, I mean, the Neo Geo Pocket was there. And yeah, you and I must have. Okay, keep that going. whole like Kentia Hall thing where you go yep. down. Yep. And I was there for the Jade Cocoon year. So when did Jade Cocoon come out? Um, and no, I never worked for Games Republic, by the way. Right. Okay, so Jade Cocoon would have been 99. So I know for certain I went to 99. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that was, wow, that's crazy. So we were on the show floor roaming around. Because I, 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 fir- I, I did a few years of that. And I, I know there was a year, which would have been 2000 probably. Because, yeah, okay, so 2000, I, I flew out. So I, I was living back home. I think it was 2000 that I flew out here. Um, went to it. And I think that was the year when it was really hard to get that issue of Game Fan unless you got it at E3. Right. And I've said this story a handful of times on this show, so I know it's redundant. But I had a, I had at least one copy of that one for one over 500 bucks, and I and I know I gave it away years ago i can't wow. believe i I, yeah. I can't believe it but um if you don't mind me uh, not to get us off topic because i definitely want to go back to uh, e3 the topic at hand i'm going to kind of use this as a segue and it's not uh we're not being sponsored and this isn't a cheap plug but there is a purpose why i'm sticking this in here now uh because there there's a little bit of a magazine twist on this i'm going to make this quick so um this show will probably it'll go up before July 2nd, we'll say. And I don't know how okay, many yeah. fans have seen this. but um, So Bitmap Books, which is out of the UK, they've done a couple beautiful uh, hardcover books in, in recent years. I got in on their Mega Drive Kickstarter, an unbelievable book. They just did a second printing of that very recently. And I also got their Super Famicom box art visual history book last year, uh, Another Beauty. And usually what happens with a lot of these books is there are Kickstarters and then you go from there. But this one I'm about to talk about is unique because this never went to Kickstarter. And they are kind enough to give fans on their mailing list and others a heads up. Uh, And it's Neo Geo, A Visual History. Yep. Now, I'm not going to read this whole thing. 
Uh, the reason I'm going to read this is I'm going to get to a part where it relates to magazines, and I'm going to ask Molly, uh, not a weird question, but uh, uh, just a, an inquisitive well, so about, question. Real quick before you start this, I, I, I want this mat, this book. And I'm, I'm going back and forth right now, and I, if I should actually buy it or not. Well, this is disgusting, but I have a note on my piece of paper here at the, as to the time that I need to stay up on <laughs> Sunday night, July 2nd, because it's – I had to look it up online. It's Germ- – uh, not German. It's um, um, UK time. Yeah. So I had to do the math. So I'm going to stay up on Sunday night, July 2nd at 11 p.m. Pacific. So – Really quick, Neo Geo, a visual history. Uh, thanks to everyone who's waited patiently for more info about Neo Geo, a visual history. Uh, they're delighted to be able to announce pre-orders beginning July 3rd, 2017 at 7 a.m. BST. I believe that's British uh, Standard Time. We hope you enjoy the new visuals of the book and different editions they've created about the book. I won't read the whole thing. Uh, for a brief few years in the early 90s, Neo Geo was the pinnacle of video gaming, an elite exclusive console that didn't just emulate the arcade experience as so many 8 and 16-bit consoles tried to do. It was the arcade experience. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to move along. Neo Geo of Visual History is the first officially licensed Neo Geo art book. Okay, this is me talking now. Okay, maybe that's why they didn't do the Kickstarter. I didn't realize that. Um, it says officially licensed Neo Geo art book. Of its kind released in the English language, a visual celebration of all things Neo Geo. It's crammed full of beautiful imagery split into dedicated chapters such as hardware, box art, character and concept art, and pixel art. Uh, Neo Geo uh, memorabilia has been collected and photographed all professionally, blah, 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 blah. The book weighs in at a healthy 400 pages, A4 in size, and available in hardback only. Uh, metallic gold ink has been used throughout and the binding employs thread rather than glue so it will be much more durable and can open flat minimizing imagery lost in the binding produced using the very best in print techniques this fantastic tome will happily grace any gamer's coffee table uh, neo geo a visual promises uh, real collector's item pre-orders Neo Geo A Visual History is exclusively available to pre-order from 7 a.m. BST on Monday the 3rd of July from bitmapbooks.co.uk with worldwide shipping. Books will be delivered in September 2017. There are a number of different editions to suit both the casual Neo Geo fan and also the hardcore collector. The standard edition is just the book priced at £30. The collector's edition comes in uh, a heavy board black slipcase with five A4 posters, two stickers, and an enamel pin badge. The collector's edition is right around 50 pounds and exclusive to the pre-order period. For the hardcore collector, we have the mega edition, which is the same as the collector's edition but with a metallic gold slipcase and an exclusive memory card kid black t-shirt priced at around 70 pounds. The Mega Edition is limited to 330 copies and comes with a stamped letter of authentication. Um, on a quick aside, I did the conversion rate for German or from – I keep calling – I don't know why I got Germany on the mind. I think it's because I got Wolfenstein notes in front of me. Uh, Ger- uh, British pounds. Uh, Jesus Christ. Um, so 30 pounds is about 40 bucks and 50 pounds is about 65 bucks as of today. And part of the reason I'm going through this whole diatribe is there was an interesting part in here that said 
um, that I wanted to run this by Molly. Oh, come on. I Here we I highlighted it, too. Am I on drugs? How crazy is this? Get, bear with me here. I'm going through photos here. I really like... I want the collector's edition, but only because it comes with the slipcase for the book. Like, that's... like. I don't need the I'm other gonna, stuff. I'm going to try and do the middle of the road one. I'm not going to do the uh, mega edition. And, um, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, oh, if, you know what? If I order this, I'm going to have to get the standard edition, edition, I think. Oh. That's the only way I can really justify. So here we go. So that's the Neo Geo update, right? Yeah. So I was a little confused. There is a Kickstarter. So we're done with the Neo Geo topic. But also from Bitmap Books. They're doing a uh, unofficial Super NES Super Famicom Visual Compendium uh, by Sam Dyer. This is also coming from the UK. Uh, I got in on this a couple months ago. It's coming in November. Okay, so I apologize. So there's a section in this. We're talking about the interviews they've secured and all that kind of stuff, right? And this this is another awesome piece. But I'm just going to read the snippet here. It says magazine features. So the gentleman is just writing about uh, the uh, progress report. He said, I had a fantastic chat with Gail Tilden last week and have got some brilliant content about Nintendo Power Magazine. I will be showcasing many SNES magazines from around the world, such as Total, Superplay, EGM, GamePro, Die Hard Game Fan, and Weekly Famitsu. Hmm. Where possible, we will have ex-staff contributing some memories of these legendary magazines. I've been having lots of fun buying some copies to be photographed. These bring back lots of memories. So it's going to be interesting. Put an asterisk there. I wonder if he's going to get some ex-game uh, fan people to comment so this is on for, that. This is for a Super Nintendo? So, yeah. So I jumped. Yeah. So Bitmap Books is doing that beautiful Neo Geo right. piece July 3rd. And then uh, this is... I'm pretty confident this is Bitmap as well. The reason I got this update is because I'm in on the Kickstarter. Because these are the same people that did the Mega Drive book. Yeah, it has to be. Uh, it's got to be Bitmap. I'm just I'm looking on their uh, stamp mark on here. I'm, I'm very confident it's uh, people associated with them. Yeah. But nonetheless, I wanted to throw that out there to you to just to see if you hear any rumblings or any gossip. No, I remember that. Yeah, so. I thought uh, because I know you and I are always talking about that era, and there's the podcast, and there's the fans we interact with online, and you know there's kind of that community. Um, you know, it's it's not like there's a million of us, so it's going to be interesting to see who participates. Yeah, so, I'm really, I'm really I'm really curious because I mean like it. I feel like tracking down Dave is kind of hard at this point. Like, I don't even <laughs> know if I would know how to track him down. Right. Because I don't think the game fan mag.com emails addresses work anymore. And I don't know if they check their Twitter or not. Um, I don't know if they check their Facebook or not. Well, out of respect to him, I'm, and I'm not going to get into this on, on air, you know, I had ordered one of the last game fan magazines, you know, of when it was new at the time a couple years ago, and it was postmark the return address seemed like a legit like x spot it came from i will the only thing i will say is it was not california yeah i mean i, I know he had i think he moved to, moved to uh actually you want a hint with before you say it it is uh, i believe it's an area that i believe you just got done saying 
yes. that humans weren't meant yes. to live. No, I, I, I think this is public, so it's not like we're telling any secrets, but I, right. last I had heard, he had moved to Nevada. Possibly Phoenix, I don't know, but... I. Yeah, what I had seen was uh, Arizona. And we need him more than ever now that we actually have Bubsy coming back. <laughs> who, who else can tell us about Bubsy but Dave Halverson? This is ridiculous that he is not around. There was a, a one Mr. Nick Rocks tweeting his Super Fammy box for the original Bubsy. Yeah. So there's at least one uh, one fan there. I actually went and watched the trailer for that. And I'll just come out and say it. It's carrying the tradition through. It, it looks as crummy as ever. So, okay, not only are we getting Bubsy, but aren't we getting like a, a Voodoo Vince remaster? Yeah. It's we're, getting, <laughs> we're getting Voodoo Vince remaster. We're getting a proper new Sonic 2D game. Yep. I mean, like, this is his era right now. <laughs> Yeah, he we missed out on his uh, ukulele yes. review. Uh, I'm assuming it would have gotten a nine. I don't know. I heard some like like some mixed things about it. So I don't know. I, like, I, I, I don't too, know if he would have given it. I don't think that would have swayed yeah. much. But uh, but yeah, thank you for letting me get off on that uh, little side tangent. But back on to uh, E3, we we discussed EA. We went through Bethesda. Before we get out of the uh, Bethesda zone. I, I, too, also heard it was very cool in person and was an awesome setup. Sitting at home, um, I don't really have any complaints about the, the Bethesda ordeal. You know, I, like many others, really enjoyed uh, Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, coming October 27th, I believe, same day as Super Mario Odyssey. But I thought the way it ended, like, the guy, seen, the guy on stage, his name escapes me, he seemed a bit uneasy and he really tried to... Hardcore to get that f bomb joke in at the end. <laughs> With uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Didn't that yeah. seem kind of weird when he was wrapping up and talking about like the what was it? The person or soldier doing LSD and killing yeah. a Nazi or whatever it was. But I was like, wow, that was kind of like an awkward. It came off awkward uh, watching it on TV. But uh, but I guess everyone in attendance seemed happy, and that's that's what counts. Um, I also believe it would be unfair. I'm sorry to get off the to move from EA to Bethesda and outside of that without mentioning this for fans. Uh, what did you think of Bioware's Anthem? Uh, you know, it's it's funny um, because it, it it reminded me of what I thought Destiny was going to be mm-hmm. when Destiny was first being shown off. Obviously, not you know you know third place third person first person difference, but. Um, like as a game pl- gameplay and world and stuff, but it's like that's not what I want from Bioware. So mm. I'm kind of disappointed in that. Like I want, you know, long, drawn out kinds of RPGs from them. Like not like a multiplayer shooter with really obnoxious faked team chat going on in this trailer. Right. But. Yeah, it looked know. beautiful. It looked it looked, yeah, it uh, looks pretty. Yeah. technically impressive. Yeah. Um, let's see. You know, I have a short list of titles that were exciting here, but before we get into that that type of aspect, uh, um, let's see. Went through Microsoft really quick. Do, do you want to put numbers on any of this, or you don't care about uh, giving? I, I know what my numbers are for each respective the big three. Do you even want me to blab oh, it on the show? Boy, or? yeah. Go ahead. I, I don't know that I have any numbers, but I want to hear yours. Yeah, and it. Uh, Okay, for Microsoft, uh, and my th- my train of thought is Microsoft had nowhere to go but up. 
okay? Last few years, whether it be the 2015 E3 showcase, whether it be, I don't can't remember which one it was, 2013, when they, with the used games debacle and Sony just switching momentum overnight, Microsoft has had a rough ride. Yes. Now, you and I have discussed on this show, outside of the big shows, Microsoft has done a great job listening to fans, slowly but surely, you know, marking off the check boxes as to what players want uh, with their operating system, tweaking things. I have to give them a thumbs up for that backwards compatibility. While this is all old news, they've been doing it. Uh, they've been playing catch up ball, momentum catch up. They announced the original Xbox, some of the classics coming by the end of the year. They unveiled the Xbox One X and, and whether whatever one's feelings are, love or hate. For what it was, Microsoft's show was probably the best show they've had in the last three, four years. I think it was interesting well, because they, they kind of seemed like they were trying to do the Sony thing in showing off a lot more games. And that was that was good, but they still like felt the need that like we have to have people on stage talking to you, you know, like, like well, it's interesting that they couldn't get past that part. Well, I'm going to bump them up. You know, this wasn't some sort of legendary conference, by the way, that's not what I'm setting up here. And I'm going to be nice. I'm in a good mood. And for what they needed to do, I felt they did what they needed to do at a minimum. And it was superior to what they've done. I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, like, for me, the backward compatibility was a huge thing because uh, one of my favorite games over the years was just at Radio Future, and that's been kind mm -hmm. of stuck on Xbox. So mm -hmm. if they give me that and nothing else, I am totally happy and satisfied. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, like, I feel like I came out of the show... Like, not knowing why I'd want an Xbox One X. That's a different topic. So outside of scoring it in my general feelings, that is still an uphill battle. I agree. It's, you know, unless you, so look, we've beat the 4K TV debate to death. So I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I will say, you know, if you look at it like getting a higher-end PC, you will see better frame rates. You will maybe get a slightly better resolution. And I say that because obviously we can't go past 1080p on a 1080p television. But a lot of their games have been uh, performing at around 900p, 720 to 900p. You may see a bit of an improvement there. And everything's probably going to run silky smooth. So that coinciding with, I will give them credit, what was a shocker was that the size of the console is smaller than even that of the Xbox One S. Yeah. Um, so I can see that. But I don't know how many ways you want to skin this cat. The original Xbox came out in 2013. Um, and then 20... So there was a couple-year gap. Then 2016, summer 2016, you had the One S. And 2017, you've got the One X. So... On a piece of paper, if you look at it like over the span of 48 months and while two of these iterations came within the span of 16 months, you've now have three Xbox consoles on the market in under a four-year span of time. I mean, so if you're a hardcore, you know, Microsoft in a way needs early adopters like you and I because if people like you and I didn't get the Xbox early on, they'd have zero sales. 
At the same time, though, it's and you and I both know that these consoles over the last decade and a half have gone through. You know, since PS One era, go or, or before that actually. I'm going to get uh, pinged on that because Super NES did it too in Genesis. But um, you know, you get these smaller renditions and these different models. But now we're getting into slightly quicker speeds with the S, uh, 4K. Uh, movie capability and now we have yet another leap i mean i feel like this is a lot to ask of microsoft fans you know there's an argument where adults got a job you can sell your other xbox you can upgrade we are in the era of uh, smartphones and apple products where there's multiple releases in short spans of time i think that's maybe what we have you know we have to accept now but what do you think i'll quit uh gabbing what do you think? Three Xbox consoles within the same generation of sorts in a four-year span. Well, I think the thing is, is like um, <coughs> the Xbox One S X. What, I say I can't even say it right. And <laughs> the people from Microsoft couldn't say it right either when we were watching it. Uh, like we had like a private demo, and they they were screwing up the name too. Um, wow. The Xbox One S was interesting because you know you have like. PS4, PS3, PS2 all have revisions and stuff, but the One S actually brought kind of some new features with it, mm-hmm. like the Ultra HD or Blu-ray and HDR and things like that. So it it is in it is a you know a question is like if you have people out there who weren't completely aware of Project Scorpio coming and or thinking it'd be like further out and and they bought the the one S and now they're kind of feeling burned by that because they would have waited for one X instead. Right. Um, I mean, I, I think we're kind of moving into the more iterative eras of, of consoles and I don't think it's necessarily bad, but I was on board with the idea until I'm starting to see like how the pro and this might be going. And I don't know, like, I don't know if it's going to work or not because we're already getting to a point where, it's getting harder and harder to see the difference between generations of consoles, period. Mm-hmm. So when you then muck or muddy that up even more with in-between consoles that kind of sort of are better, but not as better as a new new console would be, like, I don't know if it's going to get to a point where people are just kind of tired of, of, you know, trying to figure that all out. But, I mean, they do it with iPhones or tablets and things like that, so maybe they will, but... I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, we're kind of in uncharted territory a bit right now with consoles. Do you think at E3 2018, okay, do you think it's going to be E3 2018 or 19 where Sony, even if it's like a weak tech demo or whatever, shows off something for PS5? I went to 19. I mean, I, and the only way I think we get we get even like visions of it sooner is if the One X comes out and it just dominates everything. Oh, okay, yeah. And I don't think that's going to happen because sure, if it doesn't happen, then Sony has no reason right now to kind of sabotage the PS4 because hmm. it's selling fantastically still. So right, I think they just uh, eclipsed just around sixty-one million. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like you've got at least another great year of writing that out. Then maybe 2019, 2019, you can hint at at the next hardware or right. I don't know. Like I think 19 or 20 is the question now. Like which Oof. which year it comes out in? Oof. 
So I outside mean, I, of... I, oh, I sorry. Could, I could kind of, like, 20 feels like a long way away. Right. Right. But we're not getting this year, obviously. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I'm, I'm and, losing and not, sleep. I want it now. And we're not getting it next but, year. Because, I mean, yeah. next year's already, like, we've got plenty of, of PS4 games going to carry that system through next year. Right. Um, you know, it's the question then is, is 19 going to start weakening enough they want it out? You know, or they wait till 20. Hmm. So. Well, outside of that, moving on from those uh, pressers, we'll go into Monday evening, June 12th. Sony. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, it was like. Uh, it, the recurring theme or saying for me tonight's going to be, you know, E3 2015 is just. Uh, look, I wasn't upset. I really wasn't, Not, and I knew we weren't going to get we weren't going to get Last Guardian, FF Seven, uh, remake you know remake and Shenmue Three all rolled back to but back. But that's the problem again. is they kind of set us up for that, right? Well, because well, fifteen was amazing. Fifteen was like <laughs> it's still old format, but mm-hmm. we've got these three gigantic announcements and then some other decent stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And last year was. New format. We're going to have a live orchestra there yep. playing for the, the entire show. Tons of, of reveals. Tons of, like, awesome videos. And it was exciting all the way through. And then, then this year was, yeah, here is the stuff you saw last year. Just more of it. Because, I mean, I feel like there's, like, there's two, there's two actual announcements that happened. There's Monster Hunter World right. and Shadow of the Colossus Remaster. Mm-hmm. And those both leaked before the show. Oh, uh, my uh, my brain just froze. Um, oh, I, I know the one. The one I didn't catch was Monster Hunter World. Okay, so that's the one I missed before the show. I see. Yeah, and that, and that is that's uh, I believe X One, PS Four, and I probably PC. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know the 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 issue is obviously I, I should save all my gas for the show all my talking but you know i've talked about it with so many other people in private so i feel like i've talked about it 35 times already but uh yeah sony um you know we there was god of war there was detroit um there was you know zombie game 37 uh days gone here's the thing i'm just picking random you know days gone look great a lot yep. of stuff going on on screen. You notice Sony, I'm assuming they must be sharing in-house tools amongst each other, and this isn't a knock. Like, you notice the Sony games now kind of have a certain look? Yeah, they'll say they, there's a kind of like a Sony look now, isn't there? Yeah, like yeah. you can see it between, you know, I would still put like Last of Us at the top of that food chain, but everything from Last of Us to Days Gone to Horizon to God of War to Take Your Pick – you're going to see those there's even uh detroit i'd go as far as there's a certain look with the realistic uh, like real uh visuals that sony's showcasing in their in-house engines you know the thing you know and we've talked about this topic again in the past too you know there's all these huge sprawling open world games or pseudo open world games and that's great but it's like damn you know, um, God of War. 
interesting tidbit here is I heard online, and you correct me if this is wrong, that what they showcased, which looked phenomenal, was running on a standard PS4. I don't know if I would believe that. That's a good question. The thing is, is like, thinking about it, because I saw with my own eyes, like, in front of me, God of War and Spider-Man being played. But I don't remember either time them actually showing what the hardware was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this isn't the direct source. I don't have it in front of me. I think it was from a Dual Shockers article, and they were linked somewhere else. And I, you know, I don't know the uh, the source offhand, but that was the that's what it said. So I don't know if that's hmm. been uh, debunked or confirmed yet again since then. But that was uh, interesting. Uh, you know, this far in God of War, and I've I've gone through God of War three. I've played the older ones. Great games. I'll definitely take a look at the new one. I'm going to go both ways. You know, I understand it's good to freshen things up. You know, there's the Norse mythology twist on this, which is, you know, awesome. But with, what is it, with Atreus and Kratos, the father-son relationship and, um, you know, that angle... And they did show scenes of intense combat showing that, you know, that at the very least there's some of that that's still going to be there. Like, if they change too much, it, is it still God of War? Yeah, like, I, I know that. that because question. I've seen people yeah. online and I've seen people on. Now, I'm, now, look, a little bit of this I'm doing for the show. Like, I'm not lying. Like, I'm not saying one thing just to stir the pot. Like, I think the game's going to be great. Okay. But I also see what gets me is like there are some people online saying, oh, this is great. Like this is what we need, like a deeper story, more back, you know, more backstory. And like instead of just the focus being on the combat. And my thing is kind of like, you know, I try to judge things fairly and kind of look at things from the perspective of how the game, you know, X, Y or Z game is made. And like, you know, I don't expect Metal Gear to be like Super Mario Brothers. And, you know, and I don't expect, you know, The Last of Us to be like Gradius. But when we're talking about the series God of War and what it's known for and what, you know, one of the standards it tried to set. Well, damn, I mean, you know, God of War had a pretty cool theme. It's a theme we'd seen before in video games for decades. You know, it didn't look as pretty at the time. You know, God of War looked awesome at the time. You know, first time you played that demo, um, uh, you know, with that serpent boss, the Hydra or whatever. But, like, correct me if I'm wrong, like, isn't one of the big staples of why you play God of War the, the, the feel of the action and you know how good it, you know how well it plays? Yeah, I think you know I have seen this, and I mean I think it's a fair criticism for like people who like have been super fans of God of War for a long time. Is, you know, if they change it, like, well, yeah, is 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 it still God of War? Um, and I do think that Sony's in a kind of weird place where. It feels like every game they make has to be this kind of big epic story. Yeah, yes, yes. I mean, you know, yeah. and I, know, I know people were saying, like, you know, oh, my God, like, God of War feels like Last of Us, you know. But it kind of does in a way now. And I, and it's just, like, it feels like, like I said, they're, they're different games. But you do, you look at, you know, you know, Last of Us 2 is coming. We have God of War. We have Days Gone. Spider-Man's kind of a little bit different, you know. But, like, those, those, like, those three games, especially... You look at them and you're like, God, they kind of, oh, and, and, you know, Horizon, which just came out, it's like, there's a weird level where you do kind of feel like you're playing the same game. Let me put this into perspective and the analogy hit me as you were talking and I'm going to talk stupid talk, okay? 
what if the next Last of Us, the combat system, played like the original God of War? <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> you we know what I mean? What, like Ellie has like knives on chains coming out of her hands, something like that. Is what you're saying? Would it still be the Would it still be the Last of Us? Right. Or if it, if you like, let's say, like you know, turn based combat, <laughs> like tactical strategy stuff. It, it, that's a good question. It's like, yeah, it's like, is it still the same game? And I. And I think God of War can get away with this because it, it's a series that went on for long enough that people were getting a little bit tired of it, I think. Yeah, but it, okay. But then you you look at, like, let's say um, Resident Evil 6 <laughs> and, like, how big of a backlash there was for that game because it did try to change up, like, how the game played. Right. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a beauty in a game when it can take, like, a series of yesteryear or revise it like going from 2d to 3d and do that rare thing of maintaining and that's not even what we're talking about right now we're talking about a franchise within the same like we're not even talking about going from a whole different dimension from one to another but like you know there's there's a beauty in having it feel like its roots yet still offering something new at the same time and like i said i'm not trying to beat up on god of war because i'll say it again i think the game's gonna be great and I'm, i'm gonna definitely play it but it's just one of those things. That I don't want to say I got upset, but I was seeing so many people like they, you know, or even when I, and I, I'm going to give credit to IGN because I enjoyed watching their streams the whole week on an Apple TV and uh, they did a great job. So, and they had a lot of good insight on things and interviews, but, you know, even they were saying like, they were boasting about how like this God of War has this story and there's like the new, you know, the aspect with Kratos and uh, Atreus. And, but I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, how can you... Like, how can you say that? Like, the combat is what you really, you're, you want, you know, you're picking up God of War primarily for, you want that intense action and this and that. But anyway, I, I just, I'm just making a point of it here because nobody made a point of that elsewhere. And I'm like, how can you, you know, how can you overlook that? Because like you said, if you want something like that, and I did get a feeling of Last of Us from watching, you know, the story elements of that and that, the uh, dynamic but, but yeah, Sony seems to be uh, to be doing that. And isn't it kind of weird? Also, kind of apples and oranges under the same house of Sony. While it's a different division and team under them, you know, you have The Last of Us, which you know is this the standard bearer, right, for story and pushing forward the zombie uh, horror genre. I would go as far as to say. And under the same roof, you've got Days Gone coming. Yeah, that that is that is really weird to me. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if that was just total chance or, but it couldn't be because they, you know, Last of Us they knew existed. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, and it, it feels weird. Like you, like you feel like the days gone. Like, why not make that like a modern day kind of like biker story, right? You know, or or make it like kind of 1970s or something like that, or. I mean, totally crazy here, but what what about, like, dinosaurs? Well, I guess we had robot dinosaurs, so dinosaurs wouldn't work. But what about, like, vampires, you know, or werewolves, or just something different than zombies? Like, it does feel really weird that they have two zombie games that are being worked on right now at Sony. And they're both, like, these, these super story-driven mm-hmm. kind of deep games. You know what Days Gone looks like to me? I can't say it feels like because I haven't... Pl- touched the controller and actually played it so that would be wrong of me to say but you know what it seems like 
Days Gone seems like a project that you would expect Microsoft to put out after seeing The Last of Us. Yeah, I, I can. I can. Or, or, or a competitor, fair. not to pick on Microsoft. Right. It almost seems like something a competitor or third party would put out, and you'd be like, oh, like, you know, you're looking at the visuals or the art direction, like, oh, they're trying to be kind of like The Last of Us with that, mixing in a little bit of Dead Rising, but, you know, maybe on better, you know, architecture. But. Once again, lastly, yeah, it's it's under the same roof, first party, Sony. So. Yeah, it said it's that that's a, that was a weird choice, and like, and I know like when they first started showing it, everyone's like, "Wow, is this like Last of Us?" You know? <laughs> yeah, right. But, right. Yeah. So, um, without uh, you know, not trying to beat up Sony here, I do have a score for them too. But before I get to that, you know, what do you think? Um, I'll let you talk first. What do you think of them ending with Insomniac's Spider-Man? I think, like, the more I watched, like, the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, yeah, that's okay. But like, the more I watch it, the kind of more interesting I think it is. And I think that when you're talking about like, having cinematic games, like, maybe God of War necessarily wasn't the game to go that route. But, I mean, it was in its own way, you know. Uh, but, like I kind of am really liking the cinematic nature of, of Spider-Man. Like it, it, because you watch that trailer and you do in a way feel like you're watching a movie, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of neat. But I think it's going to come down to like how the open world web swinging works and stuff like that, and like how much of it are you playing, how much of it is like QTE stuff. But it seemed to have a good pace. It seemed to keep things going. It seemed to be you know fun and exciting. So it was kind of neat. Uh, I thought it looked really good. I would even go as far as to say great. Uh, there were some people online, you know, saying things like Spider-Man, Dragon's Lair. Now, mm. normally I would get on that bandwagon and discuss how it looked like there were a lot of scripted events and cinematic type uh, direction and play, the QTEs, as you just stated. But for now, I'm going to give it a pass because it's Insomniac and Insomniac's track record is pretty clean. Uh, they really haven't made any stink bombs. Uh, I'm thinking, what is it? Fuse comes to mind. They did Fuse, correct? Yeah. I'm going. I'm really digging deep, and not every Ratchet and Clank was perfect, but they. I mean, they have a pretty clean track record and do great games. So, I'm not going to beat up Insomniac for that. I'm going to give benefit of the doubt, saying that that was done particularly to showcase it for E3. Like, I'm not saying that's not in the game, but I think they probably tried to make it as exciting uh, right. and engrossing as possible. But I, I'm going to say when that's all said and done, I do expect that to be pretty, uh, you know, a lot of freedom and a lot to do. And I feel like, not to put the pressure on, this could do what Batman Arkham Asylum did for Batman and or more. So... I think this is going to be the next big superhero uh, tie-in game, you know, utilizing a license that's not a stink bomb and gets fans excited until they make until this until they do this, until they do Spider-Man. Then they're going to do Spider-Man Two by Insomniac again. Then Spider-Man Three is going to go to another developer, and then Spider-Man Four is going to be a spin-off like an origin story. And then by that point, that's when they've run it into the ground financially. <laughs> but it is interesting. Like it's really interesting to me that that, and I mean, I know why on paper. I know why, mm-hmm. but it feels so weird to have like, this major superhero game that's only coming out on one platform. 
nerd alert, maybe they should have put the Spider-Man on PS3 because uh, you remember when PlayStation 3 font was the yes, Spider-Man so, yes, font? Yes, Spider-Man font, yeah. They went all in on that, which was so funny. That was such a weird thing. <laughs> I saw a headline today. I did not click the article, but uh, if the headline wasn't clickbait, Sony's saying that they feel the exclusivity of Spider-Man and this title will help propel them to 100 million PS4 sold, you know, even quicker. So they feel that this is uh, an integral piece to getting to that 100 million PS4s sold landmark with Spider-Man. I mean, like, it's the opposite, though, of, like, the Xbox One X for me. It's, like, there's plenty of reasons why, if I didn't have a PS4, I'd be buying one. Oh, uh, you're talking a uh, PlayStation 4 console? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they they have, like, I, like, Microsoft's knocking out of the park when it comes to actually updating the hardware and getting the UI set properly and, and right. adding features people want. Whereas Sony has the software, you know. Right. What do you think of uh, Detroit being shown again and yet again no release date or does anyone care? I think it's one of those kind of games where, like, when it comes, you'll play it. But Mm -hmm. it's not God of War where, like, people are like, I need a God of War date, you know. I need to know when that's coming. I don't think it's like that. I think it's just – it's – I mean, it's kind of unfair to say at this point people are really getting upset about it. But, like, Kingdom Hearts 3, (laughs) to some level, people were like, yeah, we know it's going to take a while. We'll play it when it comes out, you know. Right. I said after a while that you do want to know because you're getting tired of waiting. But right. like I think that didn't need a date where stuff like Spider-Man and, and God of War and stuff did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I said, if that comes out next year or the year after, it doesn't really matter, you know? Right. So. Woody, um, before I get to my number and then I have a side question, just to be fair because of other things showcased, uh, what were your feelings on VR? I know you don't like VR uh, firsthand, you know, because of how it makes you feel and not for extended periods of time, but in terms of uh, chatter around E3 or behind the scenes or what you got to witness in other people, did VR seem to have any legs this year at E3 or was it a lot quieter? I feel like it was definitely quieter than last year was. There were still definitely VR games um, and people pushing VR stuff. But I, I feel like well, in terms of the big companies, I feel like it was quieter than mm. you know like mm. said last year um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know like it's it's i mean because it was funny that they finally kind of like i feel like sony's not been doing much to promote vr lately and so it was surprising but i guess good to see them do some vr stuff in the press conference right like it kind of felt like for a while that like this psvr was was selling but it wasn't just doing anything right you know, makes I mean, like I mean, like you, there weren't a lot of really big games you could name, and I guess now we have like Doom and Fallout Four and Skyrim, but those are all like older experiences. So right. Like I don't know. I mean, what, what are the yeah. big new stuff for it? And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but uh, now I think Doom could work out really well uh, if you don't have a heart attack playing it. But could you imagine? putting over 100, 200 hours into Fallout or Skyrim? Well, I, I, I did try all three, just very, very briefly. Okay. Um, and Fallout and Skyrim were both the teleport to where you want to go. Okay. And that really, for me, that kind of killed the excitement of the experience right away. Mm. 
At least in Doom, like, Doom also had that, but it also had kind of like a weird dash if you, like, double-tacked, that double-double-tapped the controller. Really? So you still had, so you had at least a little bit of, like, I'm moving on my own kind of thing. Right. Versus the just continually teleport, 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 teleport. Like, that, that just is not fun to me at all. <laughs> I, mean, hey, I, mean, uh, I, mean, I mean, that literally feels to me like the opposite of a VR experience, right? Because <laughs> VR is like, oh, my God, I'm there. But right. you're not teleporting around a room constantly. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to go look at that bookshelf. I'll teleport over there and just stand still while I look at it. You know, like, that's not how, like the VR experience should be. And I know why they're doing that, but there has to be like better ways to do it. Right. Hey, before I get to a title, we can both agree on and and give high praise here shortly. I did not see any new titles announced from platinum games. Uh, I don't think so. No. I was expecting at least one. Do you remember? Do you remember a couple years ago at E three where you and I were making a joke that we thought Platinum overtook E three and was making every game out? Yeah. <laughs> well, they got you know they got busy doing that and thinking of a year off. And- <laughs> I, honestly, all jokes aside, what I think I'm thinking we're either going to see something at Gamescom or they're holding off maybe it'll TGS. But I mean, to be fair, to be fair, you probably would have if scale balance the whole thing. Right, but they got. But look, you and I have learned. You know, they're working on something like. They're not going and reporting to work, working on nothing. Right. So, yeah, I wonder where they're going to pull the trigger on uh, some stuff. Now, something uh, before well, I, I mean, give I my mean, s- how, how uh, I don't know if you saw the re- recent NPD for May, mm-hmm. um, but Nier Automata was at 18 on top 20 still. Oh, wow. It's still in the top 20. So I, I will be shocked if we do not get some sort of new Nier in the near future like yeah like another sequel yeah yeah that'd be interesting i, I do i do not think square enix is gonna just let that sit around and not do anything with it oh and you know what if platinum doesn't want to do it like they did this one you know what they'll do hmm. they'll just do like what they did with uh life is strange oh god farm it out that would be yeah. the worst thing for them to do though yeah, I actually did a little research on it because I didn't realize that at first. So not only is, what is it, Don't Nod, not only are they not doing it, and that's not saying I don't want to take a look at this and give it a shot, but the main, the voice actress uh, yeah. is not reprising her role. Well, so just to be clear, uh, Don't Nod is making Life is Strange 2. They are working on that. What am I, what am I missing? Or what am I mixing up here? This is, this is a prequel to the first Life is Strange. Yes, yes. Because Life is Strange 2 is not going to be the same characters. It's going to be a totally new story. But, okay, so this is where I'm lost, so I apologize. And then, so what you're talking about right now is Life is Strange Before the Storm, which is a three-episode Oh, my God, wait a minute. Oh, my God, wait a minute. To the events (laughs) of Life is Strange. (laughs) So you're trying to tell me there's two Life is Strange entries coming? Yes. Oh, get out of here. No, because, like, Donut is legitimately working on... I mean, I don't know how far into development they are, but they are working on a Life is Strange 2. It's going to be new is characters, Squ- new situations. Square's going to publish that? New story. I, I would assume so. Okay. But I don't know if it's, like, um, for uh, the purposes of just, like, kind of making more money while they can off of the first story or buying time until Life is Strange 2... Uh, comes out 
I see what you're saying because we're gonna get the three the three episode one first, correct? In August, starting in August. Because I'm on the Square Enix mailing list, and I got an update on the first episode of the new Life is Strange coming in August. But now here's where it gets more complicated. And I don't know the full details on this because I haven't seen it, but I believe that if you pre-order it, <laughs> you get another episode that has Max in it. I'm so lost, Molly. It's <laughs> I'm really lost. The storm I... Max. Um, it's like I don't know why they're doing this. Like I really don't. Okay, so here it is. Uh, Oh, if you buy the deluxe edition, then you will get uh, another episode that has Max. And this one is not the one done by Don't Nod. Yes. Because I said, (laughs) I I, I think what happened is Don't Nod's like, we're going to make a new one. Square's like, awesome. And then Don't Nod's like, well, it's not going to be about the same characters or anything. And then when this got popular, like the strange, they're like, well, we, you know, we want right. to build on that. Right. Right. And so I said, I think to kind of like keep life is strange out there and, and, and active until life is strange mm-hmm. two comes. I think maybe square Enix was like, let's wow. get somebody to make a prequel, which we don't need. We do not need this. There's no point in this <laughs> thing. I feel that strongly more, even more strongly now after seeing it. Um, mm. Yeah, and they get like a different developer, and I don't know like if they're if they're not doing the story for this or not, but it's just so weird. Because all I saw them showcasing, and when it was like on a tweet, aren't they doing some vampire game? Yeah, they're doing that as well. Okay, I think, I think they might be big enough to do at least two games. Yeah, I don't know. Well, so that's what was throwing me off. That was my whole confusion because I'm like, oh, they're working on that, and then Square went and. Um, you know, hired this team to continue Life is Strange to milk it, but I didn't realize Don't Nod was still doing a Life is Strange 2 as well. Yeah. Wow. We need we need well, Platinum's Life is Strange. <laughs> oh, well, uh, oh, th- before I get to the score, what did you think of Dragon Ball Fighter Z? So I got to play it. Oh, okay. Um... It's amazing. <laughs> like, I and it, it's so funny because I think it was three years ago, 2015, right? That I had an appointment with Axis, and I went in there, and I I'm forgetting his name. Is it Daisuke, the guy who kind of handles? Is it Ishiwatari? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was sitting there, and he's like, "We got a new game to show you." And they brought it up on screen, and. Seriously, I, I literally told him, you need to wait a minute because I need to look at this more. Because <laughs> I was so blown away by what I was seeing. And then, you know, right. the, the, the first Guilty Gear XR sign. Um, and I mean, so I, 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 I've I known that this game exists, has existed for three years. I know mm-hmm. that Arxis can do that kind of stuff. But you see it again in a different way. Like you see like it as Dragon Ball and I don't care about Dragon Ball at all. Right. I have no connection to the story or characters or anything. Right. But like you see that in motion and it just like it, you get just shocked like all over again. Like I said, we all knew they could do this. If you had said 
without any pictures that Ark is making a Dragon Ball game, we all could have pictured it in our minds. Right. Right. But still, when you see it, you cannot believe it exists. And I mean, the, the game looks so great. It makes you want to learn everything about Dragon Ball and be yes, a Dragon Ball like, expert. I would legitimately want to care about Dragon Ball now because of this, of this game. But it also, like, I'm, I feel so bad because this feels like it just took, like, every bit of wind out of, like, Marvel's Capcom sales. Because this, uh, this, this has the visuals, this has characters people care about, and it's 3v3. Whereas, you know, MVC went back to 2v2. Uh, Marvel Capcom Infinite is such a sore spot with me. Like, I'm, I'm not even, I don't even think I'm mad anymore. I'm to that dreaded point of I don't care. And I got to tell you, I, the game that I've probably been the most harsh on in our three years of GVGP, and it was a loving type harsh, was for King of Fighters 14. Right. Well, that is no longer my – I'm past that, and I respect it. They've done their updates, and I, I have no ill will towards it. Everyone knows how I feel. It's just They turned that game around. Like, they really – Yeah, like, yeah they I'm, really not, I'm, not, I'm not kicking it. it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, so we're beyond – I'm just using this as an example. Yeah. Marvel versus Capcom Infinite is now my like. Okay, at least with SNK, people are trying to reason with me and like you know the budget and right. you know this is SNK. They okay, and I know Capcom hasn't you know been doing the greatest, but this is the best that you're putting out with putting out with the Marvel license right now. Yeah, and you don't, and I don't know if you read this whole thing. I'm not going to get into the whole thing now. I don't know if you caught this, or maybe it's common knowledge. You notice there's no X-Men characters or anything like that in there. Right, right. And some people, there was this whole thing I read, like with Fox licensing and this and that, as to why they might not be in there. And if you notice, technically this game is not called Marvel Capcom 4. It's called Marvel Capcom Infinite, which the argument there, which can be made, is it's not a, like I'm, we could probably still see an MVC 4 down the road. Well, you know, you know but, what's funny is it reminds me of is remember when um, we got Code Veronica instead mm-hmm. of oh, uh, e- Resident Evil 4? Yeah. And everybody was like, you know why they're doing this is because it's not on a Sony platform and Sony didn't want them to make 4 only for Dreamcast. Right. So instead of calling it 4, they called it Code Veronica. Like, that's kind of what it feels like, right? It's like, is the name that kind of like playing with oh it's not really the one you were waiting for mm-hmm. even though it, it technically is what um but what's, you know, the, I, exu- I what's so- the excuse what's the excuse here how what's going on like i'm i'm at a loss like what's going on here like i feel so bad for capcom because what's going on they're a company i love and i know you that, love them yeah I, I thought they were doing good and i thought I, they were I doing- think back to the ps3 xbox 360 era and there were a lot of even then, there were a lot of great Capcom games mm-hmm. that I loved, and we'll still go back to. Right. Um, but it just it feels like they've just like crumbled. And I I love Street Fighter Five. I do not right pick up that game. Like I know some people do. I don't. But it did have legitimate like issues with it. You know, we're in in season two, and there's still no arcade mode. Which like how hard is that to add? Seriously. And the game comes out, and there's no, like, versus CPU when it comes out. Like, how did that exist? Um, but, like, you get past Street Fighter V, right? And you're like, okay, Street Fighter V, we botched it. 
how do you screw up again with this game? Right? Well, I don't even have the excuse of, you know, I'm always polite with SF5 with the art direction and the animation. And, you know, I, I'm not going to go down that alley again in terms of all of those negatives. But, like, you can, I can still find, like, at the end of the day, like, if they actually released it properly, I think it's a great game. But with this Marvel Capcom Infinite, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's, like, the worst-looking game of all time or whatever. No, it's nothing like that. But uh, kind of like the whole SNK argument, but except I'm doing it with Capcom now, and they got more money, and it's a bigger company. How do you – whether it be their 2D sprite work or uh, Ultimate Marvel 3. Okay, that's recent. That's relevant. Ultimate Marvel 3 – looked like that looked great like before we saw guilty gear x art i mean would you not say mvc3 the cell shading and the art direction on that really fit yeah i mean i I think it fit for kind of like the kind of american comic book they were going for sure for that i look at this and i'm like you know someone brought this old joke back which was used for king of fighters 14 but now I'm sure you saw this. You know what I'm going to say? I, I haven't seen this, but I know what you're going to say. And they took the Tekken 2 box art. And now <laughs> – so it was like the Tekken 2 characters and the like Andy Bogard, like King of – you know, they stuck in right. a couple of the Koff characters. And then they stuck in some of the MVCI uh, character <laughs> models. Uh, it was – and it and it was – it worked. But I it mean – It worked. How funny is it that you have a game – based around such a popular license that is based on comic books where you could have really done a, a, a really unique, interesting art style with it and it, it ends up looking so plain and so boring and at its biggest E3 it's going to have, you then get Dragon Ball Fighters, right? That shows you the pinnacle of what could be done in that exact same situation, but on the Japanese side, like they, there, there is just no bigger difference in how two games look than MVC Infinite and and Dragon Ball. It's unbelievable, and it's like it's like you, you it's just like I said, it, you. I don't feel mad. I just feel like sad, and just yeah. like that's all I can feel looking at Marvel vs. Capcom now after looking at like Dragon Ball, because you're like this visually is nothing it's just nothing it, it it there's no it means nothing there's no value there's no importance there's no uniqueness it it looks like these could have been the same you know there was that joke too and i don't know if you saw this but there was like the kind of they were, they were taking screens from this like free-to-play marvel smartphone game oh and I, being heard, like, I didn't see. That. I heard yeah. about this. And it's like they look like the exact same character designs, you know. And that's like true. It's like this is just so generic. We're making money on a license kind of visuals, and then <laughs> on this side of it, you look at Dragon Ball, and it's just this love and dedication and craft, and we want to get these characters as much as you remember them as humanly possible. Let me ask you this, and I could be way out of line, okay? But when you look at, like, the, you know, Capcom's, you know, history and what they've produced and where we're at now and the ups and downs of the industry, and I haven't read this anywhere, so this is coming out of my backside. Could they be kind of in a similar situation at Capcom as to kind of what Konami was doing with some of its employees? I don't know if they're doing that. 
I, 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 I think it's just like, and I know I've heard stories of them having money issues and stuff like that. I think it's just, it feels, it feels like they made some bad decisions. They got into a bad point financially. And then they also had just some like lack of, of imagination and creativity you know. Is Yoshinori Ono, because I know normally he's not the MVC guy, but I saw him tweeting about it a bunch. Is he involved in MVCI? I don't think so. Because I don't think the MVC3 guy is. Unless he's just producer. Mm. I don't think he is. Yeah, because, uh, well, and you know the internet. Nobody can keep their mouth shut on the internet, so right. I was a terrible person, and I didn't say anything. You know, I just looked. I didn't tweet. And I fanned out the comments on, like, like you know, Yoshinori Ono was acting real happy and, like you know, showing off you know mvc and i fanned out the comments and the first comment all it was to him was a video clip someone sent him and it was dragon ball (laughs) (laughs) so i felt bad in a way because and i know you too because you've met like we've met him and he's a really nice guy and he's doing his job so i'm not but i'm like i felt so bad because i'm like i knew you know that's why i fanned the comments out because i'm like how long is it going to take before someone is rude and mentions dragon ball to him right it was the first tweet (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, and you know these, they're not blind. I mean, what what does he think? Like, what do you think when you see that? It's like, and once again, I keep mentioning, we keep mentioning Capcom because this is the type of stuff that Capcom would have done. So it's like, when you see that, it's almost like either looking into your past or like knowing mentally what should have been done. And then you see like the most generic, you know, bland CG based, and not only do I have an issue with that, and I know this doesn't affect the gameplay, but... I'm having a really big problem with MVCI's backgrounds. Yeah. I mean, bland, near lifeless. Well, you know, I keep hoping, I keep hoping the situation is just like they have, they legitimately have some like really neat filtering effect or visual style or something and they just don't want to show it off yet. Like I, that's what I was hoping was the case, but the, the more we go, like the less I'm believing that. They've got under 12 weeks to do it. I think yeah. that hits mid-September. So with with that being said, getting that aspect out of the way, I give Sony's conference as well a whopping seven. Yeah. So I felt I felt they kind of you know they got by, nothing earth shattering, um, you know about uh, even keel. Uh, moving along here as we try to get into our fourth quarter, so to speak, on GVGP29. Um, that leads us into Tuesday, the 13th of June, the Nintendo Direct. What did you think? Uh, main showcase piece, Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, I'll come out and say right now, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to sound like a fanboy, but I'll just call it how I felt. I felt Super Mario Odyssey, if I had to pick a game, was probably game of the show. Yeah, I know one of my coworkers picked that as her game of the show. Um, I don't like Mario games that much, so I don't really care. But, like, legitimately, it looks really good. And I think, like, I like uh, was it Super Mario Galaxy? Like, yeah, on there Wii. Wasn't, yeah, there wasn't, like, much that that really did for me. And then Super Mario 3D Land was kind of interesting, but it wasn't kind of that... that you know, another Mario 64 kind of game. Right, it's more so, bite side. Right, right. Right. So as a kind of new Mario 64, I think this one actually looks like legitimately good. But it's weird 
because like the whole cityscape and the realistic looking humans and stuff it's mm-hmm. like it's a really weird mix of styles but it seems well, there's a lot of gameplay to it a lot of diversity things like I think that it's, so. I think it's New Donk City yes New uh, Donk City one of the coolest unexpected things, which is uh, akin to what was seen in Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds on 3DS, yeah. was the interesting aspect of going from 3D to 2D in-game. Yep. So, you know, I was a big sucker for that. And, um, yeah, it just seems like there's a lot to it. Um, I thought it was kind of funny that, you know, because uh, I heard other people giving Mario Odyssey their game of the show as well. It was kind of funny. The only game they had at E3 last year was Game of the Show, and... For some, Nintendo had Game of the Show again with not a whole lot on the floor. So, uh, I don't know. I guess if Nintendo keeps putting their eggs in the right basket each year, they can maybe keep a, keep it running. But, you know, but we both know that's a dangerous game. You can't get, you can't show one or two games each year and keep getting Game of the Show. But, no, they've done it back to back. So, and, and you know what? Like, to give credit where it's due, like, I, I feel like this is the strongest Nintendo has been in years. Agreed. Right now. Like, Agreed. I, I just feel like they are running on all cylinders, and right. it's happening exactly like I hoped it would, and the fact that, like, if they have a system that can be the portable and the console both at the same time, mm-hmm. you focus all your energy on that system, and then you just have hit after hit after hit after hit. Right. Uh, and I am 100% at the point right now of wanting a Switch. Like, <laughs> I really want a Switch right now. Um, you know, we've got, like, Splatoon 2 was there, and that looks fantastic. Uh, we got Metroid Prime 4. Mm-hmm, announced, yep. Announced, which has me very, very excited. I watched about an hour of live feed of Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It looked pretty, it, it looks I good. I cannot stand those character designs. So. I, I was thinking, I thought of you while I was watching it, because Oof. I know we had that discussion. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I didn't think, um, maybe I was just on the Nintendo Kool-Aid that day. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I watched a bunch of it. It was looking pretty good. Um, wait, while we have, I w- wait, we have we have the shock of the show, the game that had no right being any good, Mario oh. Rabbids. I watched that on the Ubisoft presentation. Yeah, and it's uh, a lot like uh, XCOM, as yep. drunk as that sounds. I think the art direction and stuff looks beautiful. I don't think I'm gonna get. I'm not gonna get that one, but. I am interested to see the reviews and watch some more gameplay and stuff online. You know, yeah, I had a chance to play a bit of it. Um, there, so there legitimately is no reason that game deserves to be as good as it is. <laughs> like that is, I mean that that's the idea that you heard and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe Nintendo sunk that low, right? You know, before E three actually happened and the, the leaks were coming out, right? It's like, ugh, why would they go with rabbits? Like this is just the worst thing. And then you see it. And even if, like, gameplay's not for you, you know, like, my thing with Mario, right, is mm-hmm. you, like, watching that video, you just felt like there was real care right. put into it, you know, that they, that people were sitting down and being like, we want to make a legitimately good and fun game, that there there is no, like, cash in at all in, in that, you know, again, going back to the Marvel's Capcom thing, right, is where... That kind of feels like they had the license and they're, you know, kind of just just winging it a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, uh, phoning it in. Like, with this, it's like Ubisoft got that the rights to do this. And they're like, we're going to bust our ass to make a game that is worthy of, you know, combining with Mario. 
Well, I did catch when I was watching the Ubisoft conference and Miyamoto came out on stage. And it's funny, I can remember Shigeru Miyamoto's name and I can't remember the other the Ubisoft guy's name. Oh, you know uh, yeah, he's Gilmont. Or, okay, I, so I, 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 I can never pronounce his name. So you know the one I'm talking about, yeah. right? So he, you know, paying respect to each other and stuff. And I, caught, yeah. I actually listened to a chunk of it. And it was interesting, and I think part of that love and care, the reason it's there, not only because it's the Mario property and it, and, you know, and it should be taken proper care of, when Miyamoto and him were talking with each other, they had discussed how their like friendship or knowing of each other dates back over 20 years. So my guess is development-wise or like you know with third-party companies amongst each other, they've probably known each other since uh, – maybe tell like SNES era and 64 era. So my guess is that just must be one of those things where that relationship has been there work wise. Um, and as you know, Ubisoft has always tried to support the Nintendo platforms. And I think that comes from their respective what Nintendo's done in the past. So anyway, the, the point of the story is I think that's a lot of the reason why that care is there. And that's probably why there's after having seen that, why there's that inside uh, connection maybe between Ubisoft and them because of, that guy knowing Miyamoto over the years. You know what I mean? Like they must have been respectful yeah. of each other. Maybe, I don't know, sharing insider tips or programming tips or whatever. And that's kind of resulted in this. And you know what? Like I think Ubisoft, when they when they put their mind to it, they can make good games. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think they get a lot of crap sometimes. But like I legitimately think and I mean we've seen recently I mean, some some mixed opinions, but like I love the division, and you know, Rainbow Six Siege has a lot of hardcore fans. Um, Assassin's Creed doesn't look bad. Like I think they was good for them to take a year off. It's like right, you know, Far Cry Five is looking pretty neat. Like I do think it's easy for them to kind of fall into the we're gonna make the same thing over and over again. But I think when they break off from that and try to do kind of unique interesting projects like they they have that ability to make some great games yeah yeah it looked great um with that being said so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna blaze through a few things here as we wrap up gvgp 29 we're approaching the 90 minute mark on session two here um i'll try to get through a few things quick and then maybe if you want to do the mail piece yep um i'll just let fans know there are a multitude of other games i do have listed so if i didn't talk about something uh i do apologize uh i'm I'm sure we won't be done talking about E3 on our next episode. Uh, we'll do more of a continuation. Uh, just really quick, um, to milk a few sales, it was interesting to see Link's attire and the Master Sword for Elder Scrolls coming on Switch. Oh, that looks so bad. I know. I, yeah. Oh, that my got, God. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, on a separate note, what did you think, I believe, it is Mercury, Mercury Steam uh, developing with Nintendo, the unexpected Metroid Samus Returns, or, uh, pretty much a remaster of the... Uh, Game Boy Metroid. Yeah, I'm curious because like it looked very actiony, and that had me a little bit worried. But I, I will, I will try it. So here's the thing: it, we, instinct- we're, getting, we're getting two new Metroids at once. That's crazy. Yeah. So crazy thing with this is when I first saw it and I saw it was using polygons from the side perspective, I was like, oh, you know I me. Mean? I always love to complain right. when it's not doing pixel art. But I'm going to tell you something. I sat there and I watched that thing for 30, 40 minutes. The speed seems to be correct. While I'm not always in love with the art based on the perspective of the camera, I will give it credit when it would do some camera tricks and pan around showing that it's fully modeled in 3D. And in a weird way, I will give it credit. I I felt like there were glimpses of Metroid Prime. 
if you if you watch more of it, you'll see what I mean. So I, I'll tell you what, um, I I think it's gonna be really good. And you know I what? And I really I good. didn't I didn't hate their 3ds Castlevania. Like oh, it I wasn't the played. greatest thing in the played. world, but like I didn't okay. hate it. Mm. Yeah. What I, I give that? that what, did, what did I give that review score wise? Let's see. Um. And for the record, is uh, Molly's looking up that score, that retro score. Uh, I would give I, bottom line. I gave all the major shows a seven, I, uh, even though I felt I felt Nintendo showcased a lot that's coming sooner rather than later in a really weird, ironic way. And I felt they did just enough to maintain the momentum that they have going with Switch. Yet simultaneously, Nintendo didn't show anything, um, you know, s- shocking. Now they did show a new Kirby coming in 2018. They showed the new Yoshi, which which uh, you know looks like a lot of fun. Uh, they did announce Metroid Prime Four, but in all fairness, it was just a logo logo we saw. Yeah. So um, Nintendo did technically show some new stuff, but it was from true and tried mascots and games that we would come to expect, and it did look great. But I'm not giving Nintendo a higher score because they didn't show anything that was like. Oh my god, I can't believe... Not only did they announce... Like, if they would have showed, like, 10 minutes of Metroid Prime 4 and said it was coming early 2018 or something crazy, okay. But they didn't do anything like that. But what they did show um, was pretty good. I gave 6.5, which our EGM scale, 5 is average, and, like, other places. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was okay. You know what's funny about Nintendo, though, uh, thinking about it, is... Do you think they're almost doing too much too soon? Because... We got it in the first year of the system. Mm-hmm. We're getting Zelda and Mario. We're getting a new Splatoon. We got a kind kind of new Mario Kart. Um, they they showed off. They I mean they announced Metroid. Mm-hmm. They showed off a new Yoshi, new Kirby. Like, are they are they going? To, and this is so weird to say. I'm going to say no. You know, you I'm going to so? say no. Uh, the, here's what I'm going to say no. Here's my excuses. Zelda started out on Wii U, so it had the reaping the benefit of being ready for launch on a new console, even though it was in development years for a previous generation, technically. Um, they needed, they, you know, Mario, uh, Zelda has been carrying the weight of that system for the most part. The argument I can make for Splatoon and, Mar- and Mario Kart, so Mario Kart is like, uh, you know, Championship edition. It's like Street Fighter Championship edition. Right, Street Fighter right. 2. Okay. So you figure a lot of the work there was touch up work or whatever they were dabbling at the last six months to a year. So, you know, they were able to put that out and buy time. And Splatoon 2, while it is going to offer a bunch of new stuff and I'm excited for it, you got to figure they had the foundation of Splatoon 1. And you figure they saw the success of that and that gave them time over the last, what, maybe 24 months. So, I think it's just that the timing is working out. You know, Mario Mario Kart is kind of, is rehash. Zelda was previous gen slash this gen for Nintendo. Splatoon 2 is more of a sequel. And you figure Mario Odyssey is the real deal, completely ground up from scratch right. on the system. So, I think they just got... The thing that they got lucky on, they got lucky in a sense that... The art direction on Zelda, like I boasted about when it first came out, you know, the art direction will make that game age well. And we're at a point in gaming where unless, you know, you're looking to do Call of Duty, you know, the most realistic visuals in the world are like The Last of Us 2. If you have smart art direction, um, 
we're not at a stage where it's like we're going from NES to N64 or you know what I mean? So right, right. they can do enough tricks to keep people fooled. And then also one that we did forget um, that did come out this past weekend is a new IP in all fairness. So they did have yeah. arms. Yep. Yep. So um, and, and, gonna... and to be fair, they still have – I mean they are stupid if they do not remaster every Wii U game they had. Right. You know, so they still have a number of years of even if doing like two a year, you know, I mean, I guess like a few of them, like obviously Yoshi wouldn't make sense because they have a new Yoshi and Kirby wouldn't mm-hmm. make sense in the new Kirby. But but I'm kind of hoping we get that Star Fox again. I'm hoping we get uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze again. Donkey, Donkey Kong Country, uh, Mario Maker. Yep. Other stuff. I didn't know own a Wii U, so I have no idea. But like, there has to be all these other games out there. Well, look, we're getting Pokemon yeah. already. Although that's Namco and the Pokemon DX is coming September. Yeah. So, I'm gonna go through a few quick uh, lines here, just get quick reaction, and then we'll see if we can squeeze in fan mail real quick. Yep. Uh, we'll do this rapid fire. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sony not participating on crossplay on titles like Minecraft and Rocket League, while Microsoft, Nintendo, and PC are? Um, it's arrogant Sony again. And it's dumb and I hate it, but I, I understand their reasoning because from their perspective, there's no reason they need to. What are your thoughts on the Nintendo Network service not launching until early 2018 at 20 bucks, yet still seemingly they shared nothing new? Um, I like the price. That's, that's about the most I would be willing to pay for Nintendo services. Um, I think... It was going to be too early if they tried to charge people this year for it. So that that makes sense, too. And they changed up how the ROMs are going to work. And, you know, like the the classic stuff. Mm -hmm. And that sounds very exciting. The kind of like the almost like Netflix style thing they're going for, if Mm -hmm. I remember correctly. Um, But I also want to hear about a proper virtual console. Right. Because I don't just want a subscription service. I have uh, arms thoughts here. I can. I, I just have like a sentence written out. I can get into this much more next show. I'm doing this for uh, being respectful of time. Uh, my quick notes were uh, arms. I picked it up uh, last week. I feel it's a mix of Punch Out and Virtual On in a blender. It's not as much Power Stone as I originally thought until I played it. Yeah. Uh, once again, the game has a clean aesthetic and art style. It can be challenging and deceptively deep. Um, I'll get into that more next time. There's a lot of strafing. I'll get into my thoughts on how I feel like sometimes I feel like I want to dash more ahead of me. But um, I give them credit. It is something different. Yeah. Uh, also been playing a lot of Tekken 7, uh, enjoying that. Lots of uh, goodies to unlock. I feel like it's a complete game in terms of roster. Um, I was a sucker on this one, and I did get the season pass. So as long as they don't pull any more of that crap and do like 10 season passes... Uh, I should be good. I'll get into more thoughts next time. We already ta- I, I said, does Capcom have any gas left gas left in the tank? We already talked about that. Uh, we already talked about Platinum Games not having anything. We talked about Life is Strange 2. Uh, before we get it, before we end GVGP29 with the fan mail, my last piece to you for now. Uh, you went to the Baby Metal concert. I uh, did. Friday, June 16th. Uh, any quick tidbits, thoughts, and a really uh, super quick background to fans as to who or what Baby Metal is? Uh, Background-wise, no. Just go to YouTube, search for Baby Metal, and enjoy it for yourself. Um, <laughs> it's the best way to experience it. 
Uh, that's how I first learned about them. But it was so funny because um, I uh, it's it's at, it was at the Palladium, which is a, happened to be where I also saw Perfume uh, a year or two ago. Um, and I was kind of standing a little bit ways back from the stage. It's kind of this 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 not not it's not a wall, but like kind of the 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 half size height wall between the main concert area and then like kind of the walkways to get to the snack bar and go out and stuff um and so i'm standing back there and this older guy comes over and he's standing there for a bit and and he's like uh have you been to baby metal concert before and i'm like no this is my first time and he's like i've been i think he said 20 years maybe 20 years he's like i've been going to metal concerts for for at least 20 years tons of them and this is the first one I've ever been to where the the kind of near stage mosh pit area was too hardcore for him. What? He's Yeah, he's like, I've been to tons and tons of other metal concerts, and I've never seen people as crazy as they are here. And it's funny because I was looking online for kind of reactions to the show, and I saw other people saying that exact same thing. You would never think, like, Baby Metal would be the most, like, just chaotic. Yeah, I can't believe it. I just looked them up. Yeah, Yeah, it's a Japanese metal idol band. Yeah. Wow. So it was was a metal concert. But it was funny, too, because Baby Metal metal attracts a very varied group of people coming to it. So, you know, you had, like, hardcore metal heads, and then you had, like, little young Japanese girls who love them because they're Japanese and are dressed up like them in cosplay and stuff, you know? Wow. So there were, like, people of, like, all ages, some families and stuff here. And the opening act, which I did not need an opening act. I didn't care. Because um, it, it was, like, going to be a long night. So I'm like, just get off the stage. I don't care. Uh, there, There's, like the guy just saying like the f word every other word no kidding and screaming like blood for blood and all this kind of like hardcore like metal stuff and it's just so funny because i'm like i just wonder the people who know baby metal as this kind of like cutesy metal group you know because i mean like their their music is seriously legit but like the vocals and the kind of the, the lead singers are are very cutesy j-poppy style um people coming and just like have probably never been to a, a, a another proper metal concert and just like hearing these lyrics and, and seeing the like on stage antics and stuff was just so funny to me like wondering like how people were reacting to that yeah it's unbelievable i'm looking at their awards and nominations on uh, wikipedia for obviously primarily based out of japan and mtv japan but it's they have a crazy amount of accolades well, and it's funny, too, because, I mean, like, you hear, like, a lot of these Japanese groups, and it's always, sort of, like, kind of a funny thing, like, like Morning Musume or AKB28, or 48, oh my god, 20 out of 28, and things like that, and it's always <laughs> kind of, like, like, ironically good, you know, or you know it's crap, but it's still fun, or it's super poppy, um, but, like, Baby Metal has a lot of, like, serious fans, not only in the metal community, but also, like, like, singers and bands and stuff because wow. they've played with a number of of legit like metal bands and then people like metallica and stuff like that so 
Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to I'll look up some more of their stuff online then uh, later this week. That seems kind of interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I actually think their, their most recent album is the better of the two that have come out so far. I think it's Metal, it's metal, metal Resistance. Metal Resistance? Yeah. Not to be confused with uh, Midnight Resistance? No. The, the Contra knockoff. <laughs> what was their first... Uh, what is their first album? I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, uh, oh, just self-titled. Baby Metal. Yeah, self-titled. Yeah, February 2014. Yeah. Wow. Well, they've got pretty high up there on the U.S. hard rock charts. Yeah, no, like I said they're uh, they're like it's funny because they're they've been one of the bigger breakouts. Like you would never ever no. ever think that, like, especially uh-uh. if you saw like their video at first was kind of like, oh look at this crazy Japanese thing, right? But they've not even just in America, like in the West, like they've gotten a serious following. Yeah, that's crazy. And this is like, I mean, because when I was going to first see them, I didn't have and I'm having a chance to. It was a few years ago, and they were playing just like some bar here in L.A. where it was like, okay, this is this is us taking a chance and going to America and mm-hmm. doing some shows. Um, but now they said they've been an opening act for some pretty big people, and they've been on, I think, one of the kind of tours. I don't know. Maybe not here in America, but um, – and then this is like their own show. I think they've done a couple of their own shows. So, yeah, they're they're legit. That's amazing. Yep. Well, as we uh, wind down here, do we have uh, anything in our mailbag we do. for this episode? Um, it's not okay. <clears throat> this is from Neo East, and he says, "My dream E3 moment happened when original Xbox backward compatibility was announced by Phil Spencer." Uh, it means the possible, here we go, the possible dream return of a game that I am proud to share Molly and Dave Halverson's immense love for, Jet Set Radio Future. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, JSR Future was a majestically hip synthesis of visuals, music, and gameplay. And, despite popular beliefs to the contrary, the better of the two Jet Set Radio games. And Neo East, I am in 100% agreement with you. And that's a very controversial statement to make, but I, I totally agree. Uh, can you please share your thoughts on original Xbox backward compatibility and the likelihood of seeing other Japanese games on original Xbox like Street Fighter Alpha Anthology, Capcom vs. SNK2 EO, Street Fighter Anniversary Collection, Fantasy Star Online Episodes 1 and 2. I'll tell you right here and now, you're never getting that game. Uh, <laughs> Panzer Dragoon Orda and Metal Gear Solid 2 Substance. Last but not certainly, but certainly not least, and most interestingly, Shenmue 2. It's funny he uh, says that because I was going to make kind of a joke online and say, wouldn't it be funny via original Xbox backwards compatibility, we get Shenmue 1 and 2 package via that avenue, but then Shenmue 3 is exclusive to... PS4 and PC. I don't think Shenmue, Shenmue, Shenmue 1 was on Xbox, was it? Was it well, wasn't it, it? Or am I crazy? Oh, I thought it was in a double pack. Mate, Was it just Shenmue 2 by itself? Oh, that's a good question. Now I have to check that out. Maybe yeah. I'm nuts. So, okay. So, I'll go through real quick and tell you my, my, my opinions on that. Uh, Alpha Anthology, no. Capcom vs. SNK 2, uh, maybe. 
maybe. She fed her anniversary collection, probably not. Fantasy Online, no way in hell. Panzer Dragon Orda, probably the most likely on this list. Mm-hmm. And Metal Gear Solid 2 Substance. I'm going to put an asterisk maybe only for Konami to milk old money. Like, just if it's just as simple as them hitting one button. Yeah, maybe. and they're, they're making the new Metal Gear, so maybe they want to put it out there. By the way, I stand corrected. It was Shenmue 2 on the original Xbox, but I think it included. I'm looking at the. Uh, oh, it says it includes the feature length DVD Shenmue the movie. So yeah, that's okay. where I got confused. Right. But. Um, I, I yeah. think. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see because, you know, I part of the problem is I'm, I'm thinking about Sony's PS2 on PS3 efforts, not not PS4, but like the the games that they brought back digitally. You know, when they were making their backward compatibility in the later versions of it, not the original hardware version. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sony tended to go for more of the kind of niche games, mm-hmm. the cult hits, the Japanese stuff, the games that would be harder for you to actually go out and buy. Right. Like they went more for that. Whereas with Xbox, they kind of feel like they're more just whatever they can do at the moment. You know? So I. I I don't I don't think they're going to focus on some of the more niche stuff. But at the same time, it comes down to what works. I do know that they have said they're not going to put as much effort into this as Xbox 360 backward compatibility. So they said not to expect as many games. But I think the, the good part is you're not going to like probably see like halo for example right because we had the halo <laughs> master chief collection right you know you're not going to see some of these games i don't know there's any call of duties really on xbox i i would think about. for original xbox fans they might might try and do uh kotor not knights of the republic one and two yeah that i could see maybe jade empire jade empire possibly i would love to see um was it project gotham yeah pgr yeah i would love to see that um, it'll never happen, but I loved uh, Link's 2004, the golf game from Microsoft. Oh, wow, 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 wow. But I don't think we're going to see any of Microsoft sports games. Well, you know what I would like to see come back? Uh, Otogi. Or yeah. Otogi 2. Yeah, those were uh Yeah, I'm curious. Like, I'm really curious to see because, I mean, so far it's been, what was it? Uh, oh, God, what was the first game? Because there was... F- was it Frenzy something and then Oh Fusion Frenzy. Fusion Frenzy and then You brought back E three memories. What was the other game? Um Oh Fudge. Uh, they announced one game and I can't remember what it was. Hmm. I mean I would love Fanstar Online, but yeah, you're never ever ever gonna have <laughs> sick. I mean we we can't we can't get PSO two, the game that's currently active and free to play. Yeah, that's And in English in Asia, we can't get that. They're not putting the servers back up for PSO on Xbox. Speaking of uh, obscure niche, was uh I think it was the original Xbox, was it breakdown? I maybe. That was the first person uh, Namco. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That would be an oddball one to get on there. Um, I'm trying to think like what games like I really. There was a. Uh, 
Oh, Crimson Skies. Yes, because Crimson oh, yeah, Skies yeah. makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Best original Xbox yeah. games. Um, I mean, for me, Jet Set Radio is, is the one and only game I really care about. Original Fable, I don't think we would said Orda. Orda, I could see Morrowind could be a, a maybe, because mm. that would be in, you know different enough. Um, the original Psychonauts. Oh well, I, I don't know. Uh, Project Gotham, I don't think Grand Theft Auto at all. Uh, Chronicles of Riddick, I could possibly see that. Oh, Ninja Gaiden. Uh yeah I you know I would be more excited for that only but I have like between the PS3 remasters and the, you know the the only Ninja Gaiden that I'm willing to buy again digitally even though I own all this crap is Ninja Gaiden 2 for 360 to download mm. only due to the excessive gore in that game ah uh. because they toned the uh, the game on PS3 which I've also gone through shockingly. Uh, was great, but they did tone the blood factor down a bit at the time. That was after Itagaki left. Hmm. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Like Ninja, Ga- so here's the problem: Ninja Gaiden is is a classic, but I can't get excited for it because I own the Sigma. Like, or there's not just me. Like, there's so many other ways to own, like to own right. the Sigma versions on PS3, right. and then what have you. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil, I could possibly see that. Uh, Brute Force was one of the ones I was thinking of. Um, <laughs> time splitters too. Maybe. That was hot at the time. Wasn't it? What was it? Their claim to fame it was like a lot of the GoldenEye team. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I I, I feel like because they're going to do a lot less for this, I feel like they might be pickier. Oh, what about uh, Advent Rising? Maybe. That was. Uh, I remember that being kind of. Uh, that was a pretty big uh, thingy. Now, you know, they're they're, they're going to bring back Steel Battalion and re-release the controller for Oh, that. God. Oh, my word. My goodness. Yeah, so I don't know. It seems like there could be a handful of gems there, but I guess it seems that Neil Eastside is very excited for the original Xbox. The problem, yeah, the problem is, I think, like, when it's PS2, there's a list a mile long, right? Right. Of what you want. Mm-hmm. I think when it's, like, original Xbox... That list gets very short. Um, like Sega Rally, like I could possibly see that, but like, I think there's yeah, just like far less games. They have some gems. It's just they got it. Here's the deal: they yeah. can make it work. They just got to make sure they pick the right gems. You know, they yeah. can't. Yeah, yeah, because if they're not doing that many, and it's it's like completely random, that's gonna suck. Right. Because that works with 360 because they're doing so many of them. Right. But like, like I said, we both want Jet Set Radio Future. And if, if, I'm, if I'm seeing like Simpsons Hit and Run come out and not Jet Set, <laughs> you know, it's like that's going to kind of rub me the wrong way. Uh, I'll go, off, uh, go out on a limb. I, I, I guarantee you in that first wave out, Jet Set's in there. I would like to hope so. Jet Set's going to be in that first wave. The only reason I'm giving it that credit is not because it, even though it is kind of hardcore, like I know there's a lot of other people that feel that, but it, it was also a packing title at one time. You remember that? Yeah. The Sega GT. Yeah, that's what that's what it was. Sega GT, not 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 Rally. It just, it literally is. A, honestly, Molly, literally as I said it out loud, it hit me like it. I, 
Yeah, that's exactly that double disc or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the Sega with the girl? Oh, Gun Valkyrie. Yeah, that was on the cover of uh, like, Play. Like, I would love to see, like the the Sega Xbox Three, right? Panzer, Jet Set, Gun Valkyrie. You know, because those are three games that like have not been anywhere else past that. Right. You know, we didn't have them on PS2 at all or anything. So, especially because Jet Set doesn't doesn't play the best on 360 through backward compatibility because there's some like um, like frame rate issues and stuff like that. So if they can if they can get the frame rate going good and make it look a little bit prettier, man, that's going to be a fantastic game. You know, they could also lastly here uh, they could also uh, tie into their recent freebie release on X1. They could maybe fake everyone out and uh, put Phantom Dust. That would be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> was uh was Red Dead Revolver ever on 360 PS3? Uh, it is for download on PS3 backwards compatibility, and it's also on PS2 on PS4. Okay, but so so yeah, it wasn't like an actual legit release. So like that, I could see too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they can get that one on there. Well, I want to thank uh, Neil Eastside for writing in. Uh, we always appreciate it. I say it every time we do the fan mail. We love the fan mail. It gives us uh, great uh, icebreakers, and uh, I love I love the mystery of not knowing what the fan yeah. mail is going to be. So uh, with that being said, don't forget, uh, ladies and gents, you can always find us at radio.morningproject.com. Find me on Twitter at 24BitAJE. That's with the number two, the number four. Molly Penn. Don't forget, on Twitter with Molly, it's M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. You can also find the official Twitter of EGM at EGM Now, just like it sounds. Six letters, E-G-M-N-O-W. Check out EGMNow.com. The official feed of Morning Radio on Twitter at Radio. M-O-R-N-R-A-D-I-O. And uh, with that, I want to thank Molly for taking the time out of her day to finish the recording of GP, GVGP29, if I can get that tongue twister out. Are you going to German? Yeah. German video game podcast. I don't know how many times I had. That was uh, the Bethesda and Wolfenstein 2 uh, yes. sucking the lifeblood out of me. So which, which thank- by, by the way, by the way, uh, real quick, mm-hmm. since you didn't mention it, if you want to send us emails to read in the show, we, we want your emails uh so it's gvgp at morningproject.com so morningproject.com um and that email address is always in the show notes if you need to find it there so awesome so uh, keep the virtual ink coming thank you molly once again it's always a pleasure and uh, until next time we'll catch you sooner than later coming up on gvgp 30 and have an awesome night